Here at Intoxia Reviews, we intellectually dissect the art of cinema, scene by scene. Here's some clips. That's all he is. It's just a fucking big wooden doll full of cum chasing kids around. <laughs> you look up guys who poop in a bag. I think that's where you'll find them. Because he is hurt. It's probably just in your search history anyway, isn't it? This movie fucking blows. So don't forget to subscribe to Intoxicated Reviews on all places you find podcasts. Except Spotify. We're working on it. I'm Caitlin Hartland, and every month I'll bring you all that is queer and dear to my heart. Out of Context aims to illuminate and educate the world about the queer community. Whether you fall under the queer umbrella yourself or are an ally hoping to learn more, Out of Context is for everyone. Posted on Buzzsprout, you can also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. And become a patron on my Patreon page. Follow Out of Context on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to connect with you. Email outofcontextpod at gmail.com with your ideas and submit a context. Hey everyone, Chris Hansen here of Hansen vs. Predators and Catcher Predator. Why don't you have a seat right over there and listen to Kyle and Brandon, our podcast. According to my chat logs, Kyle and Brandon have interesting guests. No, I hated it. Yeah. Everybody's sweaty, everybody's on drugs, so they're super sweaty but also touchy. And then they touch your face and you leave there and the next day you have pimples. Fantastic conversation. He's underground in a lab, floating in a tank of water because he almost died. And most important, no predators. Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. Okay, Internet. Welcome back to another episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan. And this is a comedy variety talk show that gets personal. You guys, I swear to God, this intro is going to be very, very quick because I have a super duper long episode for you this week. Oh boy. So this week I have a third time returning guest and a good friend of mine. Scott McLean makes his return to the podcast. This one's way different than his previous appearances on the show. This is a Joe Rogan length podcast. I want to explain something here that me and Scott really didn't talk much about what we were going to talk about on the show before we did. But this episode turned out to be super like deep and philosophical and like some heavy shit in this episode. Okay, so it's not your standard comedy episode that said i love it so much i had such a fun time talking with scott pretty much um i started recording and i realized quickly that the new way that i'm recording these episodes i actually don't really see how much time we're recording i actually now found the spot where i can see the time very in a like very small text i can see the uh the time that we were recording we ended up recording and hanging out for almost four hours on this night. Now, not all of that is part of the episode. You know, a lot of that was talking before and afterwards as well. I also went live at one point and we just kind of hung out um, live on YouTube and Twitch for a bit as well, which I do do every now and then. So that's why you got to make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and the Twitch channel so you don't miss a impromptu live stream. But yeah, so this is a very long episode, but it's a really, really great one. We talk about grieving. We talk about death. We talk about how we deal um, with chaos and depression and all of that. 
It's just, it's a doozy, you guys. I love it, though. Um, I've really been in an introverted, introspective mood, and this was the conversation I deeply needed to have. So I want to give a big thank you to Scott, who's an amazing guest this week. I genuinely enjoy having Scott McLean on the podcast. And I did want to also mention that Scott is doing a lot of live streaming lately. Him and his amazing girlfriend, Lauren, go live quite regularly and a Facebook group called The Ultimate Online Nova Scotia Kitchen Party COVID-19 Edition. I'm going to make sure to link below to that, because when this comes out on Friday, tomorrow night, Saturday night, he will actually be live in this Facebook group playing some tunes for you all with Lauren. And I highly suggest checking it out because he's really, really good, and it's genuinely a good time. So make sure to follow Scott, check out The Online Kitchen Party, follow Intoxicated Podcast, on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can check out Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash intoxicated. And can can you leave a review? I'd love some new reviews. So if you're a fan of the show, it'd be greatly appreciated to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. If it's a unique and funny review, I will read it on the show. That would be that would be really, really helpful. I would super duper appreciate it. But that's it, guys. Keeping this under five minutes. I hope you enjoy this mega jam-packed, extra long, extra deep. Oh God, that this just is now sounding really dirty. Um, enjoy this awesome episode with Scott McLean. We gotta open this podcast because yes. okay, I haven't so, <laughs> I haven't even introduced this fucker yet. Let's uh, let's cut let's let's cut up this early and it's then like we'll, is this live of, on anything? No, it's not. I don't have it live unless you want me to go live. No, I don't need to go live. And say started off podcasty and I'll, I'll. I mean, like what we could do down. is chat for an episode, and if we're still wanting to chat, we could go live and then talk to some people. But I find it like I find when I go live during an episode, it's distracting because then the chat will start talking to me and and like I'll I'll just be like. Yeah, like exactly. Off my, off my and, and 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 that's the thing. It's like, especially if I get into one of my fucking crazy opinions, and then people start asking questions mid the opinion, and then it's like I might get there, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, yeah. But if you want to start it off as like the podcast We're, now, we are hey, officially welcome. starting the podcast. Oh hey! Oh look at this! It's the Intoxicated Podcast. Um, I'm here with a third time returning guest. Hey oh. Mr. Scott McLean is here. Breaking fathoms. We got a fathom by nine locks. The, the there you go. brand of Halifax. What are you oh, drinking there? I'm drinking vodka sodes. Vodka sodes. Uh, Nova Scotia Spirit Co. Nice. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I just like buying their vodka. I'm not a huge fan of those like cooler drinks that they have. I find them very sweet. They're pretty sweet. They're pretty sweet. I, I don't drank like sweet a drinks. Ton of them at my buddy's wedding because that was like a theme of the wedding. Like him and his like broy friends were all very into the blue lobsters, and they were like, "Oh, get some blue lobbies!" And when I'm with, I have a diverse group of friends. Those are my like douchebaggy bro group of friends. Yeah. And as broy and as douchebaggy as they are, I love them all to death. They're like really fun. They're good guys that just super uber douchey people i'm sure chris halef has like a group of friends like that oh, right for sure and uh, uh and yeah so they were all about the blue lobby it's like there's a picture on my fridge right now of us all me and all the groomsmen and it's like all of us holding blue lobbies 
I mean, uh, I like them. I'll drink one or two, but no more than two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but like, I, I just, I'm a very sensitive. I actually just did a logo redesign and I took out the whiskey glass because while I like drinking on this podcast and I will do it, mm-hmm. I don't want sober people to think that they have to. Yeah. That's it's fair a huge enough. barrier to entry. I've had guests say no because they assume that they have to drink. And I'm like, no, no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Like, like it started that way, but like it's, it's um more about the conversation, but like I I like so well let's just fucking get in I wanna start by by saying that like you had one of the funniest messages to okay, so we're gonna backtrack a smidge. Andrew Vaughn died, we all know. I've talked mm-hmm. about the podcast a million times, but the night that I found out, like you had one of the funniest first messages to me. Do you remember what you said to me? Not a clue. The first thing you said? I'm I'm like Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? <laughs> okay, so this was March 18th at 7.39, which makes sense because I remember that day very well. And I had a really bad day. I was feeling anxious and I was feeling weird and off all day. Uh, say what you will about that. I don't know. Could be an intuition or something. But I had this like 5 p.m. nap and I woke mm-hmm. up from the nap with a message from Richard being like, can I call you? And yeah. honestly, like I thought... Andrew got COVID. Maybe he's oh, in the okay. Ho- yeah. That was my first thought was maybe he's sick. He's in the hospital or something because earlier that morning I had sent him a, a message, like a text message early in the morning being like, Oh, I'm listening to boys club. And there's like, I do hear this like really weird buzzing and I've screen recorded it. And here it is. If you want to hear it. And then I didn't hear from him. You're like this fucking asshole. And I'm and, and it's just it's just not like him to not respond or not the, even see the message. Yeah, like even Vaughn's not talking to me now. God damn him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I felt it it felt weird that he didn't respond. And then so then I found out and then it was a lot. And then a couple hours later you texted me and this is what you said. <laughs> and I could just hear this in your voice too, like yelling it. Can we do like a fucking thing? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was really like uncomfortable because that was what was that the eighteenth? Eighteenth, yeah. And that was a Tuesday. Yeah, was it? Yeah. So I was supposed. Oh no, to, it, was, it was. It was a Wednesday. It was yeah. It was he died late Tuesday night, and so it was Wednesday that everybody found out. Yeah. So. I was supposed to be performing at Yucks the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Wednesday. Um, I mean, that's Beerly's, right? Mm-hmm. And if none, of, and so we found out that Yucks wasn't happening, and everything went on lockdown. It was either the week before, or I think it was that week. Yeah, that it did would go down. Unless I was supposed to do the thirteenth, whatever I was supposed to do it. And I remember just being like, I think it was that week, and. Then everything went on lockdown, like, what, on the fucking weekend before or something like that? Yeah. And I am not good at, like, I shouldn't say I'm not good. I process death and tragedy in a really weird way. Oh, can we get into this? Well, I, so, when Patrice O'Neill died best comedian probably that ever lived. Uh, when Patrice O'Neill died on the Opie and Anthony show, all the comedians, everybody, fucking everybody who's anybody of, of comedy would, was stopping in or calling in and telling Patrice O'Neill stories. 
and they were either telling hilarious Patrice O'Neill stories about his flaws, uh, busting his balls, talking about shit that he did, yeah. um, and cracking mad jokes. I remember Jim Norton said, uh, he, he, uh, someone said, oh, I just feel bad for his family. And then Jim Norton was like, yeah, his, his mother's got to find a way to find a purple tuxedo to bury him in or something like that, or a big purple suit. And everyone was dying laughing. And like, it would have been so perfect if Beerly's was open yeah. because I know everybody would have been there to do It would have been an instant collaborative show that would have happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, collaborative show or just like people. All I did, all I, like when Vaughn died, I first, it was just, it didn't make sense at first. Like I was like, what? What do you mean Vaughn died? I was like, that's not true. And I, I feel like shock held me for a long time. It still really hasn't set in. It won't set in until... I think I start to see, I think it'll set up, set in in a different way every time I see another comedian because, Mm. you know, like in in person, it just doesn't, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, the same thing happened with a close friend of mine from high school died and a couple of close friends from high school, one killed himself. and, And my sister told me, and I was like, she's like, blah, blah, blah died. And I was like, what? No, he didn't. Yeah, She's it's like, denial. It's, there's like, a reason no. why it's the first stage. Denial yeah. is, yeah. And then I, I, uh, I started, I, w- I was just talking to Lauren and I was just like, what? And I was just, I just didn't, I, didn't, I don't know. It, it's really weird. I can't process it. It's just like, it doesn't make sense that he's gone. I can't fucking believe it. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. And where I'm a social person, all I wanted to do was like, Talk to Travis and Martin and, 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 and all I wanted to do was like talk to them and like, and roast Vaughn and just roast the shit out of them. And I ended up having these conversations in my head, imagining me saying like, I told you, you fucking idiot. Like I always said, you'd be dead by 35. You beat me by a year. And like, then I can imagine his response to me saying like, fuck you. You told me you were going to help me work out. You never did it. Look what you did. And like, I can just, I literally, it was like, I was having a conversation where we were both busting each other's balls about it. Uh, post-mortem. Like it was yeah. really weird experience. And I, I laughed more than I cried uh, about, anything when it came to bond like just to that whole death because i just kept thinking of what he what his take would have been on his own death that was my most that was the thing that comforted me the most Mm -hmm. oddly enough was knowing that because i mean on our first episode uh like he made this beautiful like comparison to like life is the only dance we dance and there's and there's nothing after it and life goes on and he always had that outlook on it and so part of me was like, well, I know that this is how he viewed death because we've talked, he and I have talked about it a lot. Yeah. So in a way, I'm like, I want to believe that it's okay. Like he's okay. Oh, he's dead. So he's not, not okay. I, mean, I don't <laughs> believe in an afterlife. I, I mean, yeah, he, died, ab- he died in his sleep. So yeah. I mean, like the worst that you can imagine happened is like maybe he woke up and then died like with chest pains or something like that but i imagine it was relatively quick yeah. whatever happened and i mean as far as we could tell it happened in his sleep um as far as i remember Vaughn was a pretty heavy sleeper <laughs> so i imagine he probably yeah. was out for the whole thing maybe I he had a so. fucked up dream 
um, I'm a, I'm a big believer, you know, like life is death is what happened before you were born. It feels exactly the same. Um, but as far as like, when people say you live on, I would say that's a way that he does live on. And I don't want to be fucking cliche or anything, but I talked to him about his death. Now he might've said something else, but he was such a personality and, and you, you, that you had an idea of what he would say. Yep. I could have a conversation with him after he died about yep. his death. And it wasn't, it was really, I had like, I had close friends of mine coming up messaging me saying, Hey man, I heard about your friend. I hope you're doing okay. And I, I was like, I feel like a fucking sociopath. Cause it's like, I'm not that not okay because there's a very much like, I don't know everything that's fucking happened in my life. It's been really rough. Like I found out some pretty fucking fucked up news recently. That's rough to deal with. And, and it, it's like, okay, shit happened. Now what? I've always, I've ever since the, 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 me and the ex mother, my kids broke up. Now what has become kind of my motto for when shit happens is it's like, you can't do anything about this. So now what you, that hurts, that sucks. But now fucking what, what are you going to do in light of all this shit? Mm -hmm. Because you could sit there and you could put yourself in a depression pit for as long as you let yourself stay there and I've been in that fucking pit and I've been deep in that pit for a long time for a, a, a number of times in my life until I came to this like kind of now what are you going to do fucking uh, yeah. uh, revelation. So yeah, when Vaughn died, I was just like, it was, it's like, I, I, the only thing you can say about death is it sucks. It's, I don't know me, what else you can say about it. It's really fucked up for me because I, I recorded with him the day before. Yeah. That's real fun. And and the last words I physically said to him, and I make no joke of this. You can't Don't fucking die plan. No. <laughs> we like I he pulled up to my cul-de-sac and I was giving yeah. him a webcam so that we could record that night. Yeah. And literally he was like, see you later, buddy. And I go, unless one of us dies, literally. That's wow. what I said. Wow. Be- we were referring to COVID. Yeah. But that's see, that's so that's so funny. fucked up it's <laughs> hilarious but it's so fucked up too it's and then when we recorded that night um we kind of talked about it as well and he was saying about how like you know obese people are getting covid and they're at risk for death and he's like so i you might you you'd probably make it sarah but i might die again we were referring to covid oh yeah he's, in this crazy a- time like you don't think when this all happened, it just took over our lives. And yeah. you don't always think, oh, yeah, people can still die of, like, heart attacks, car accidents. Yeah, yeah. People it's are still dying in regular you. ways. But you still don't expect your close friend at 36. Yeah. As unhealthy as he was, that's still really young. Yeah. To die. And that's the other thing that happened that was, like, again, it was, like, people would come up, you know, somber tones. You could feel it. Hey man, feeling real bad for you. Yada, yada. Um, I hope you're doing okay. And all that nice shit that people say when someone dies and, <laughs> and then they'd say, what happened? And I'm like, he, he was a 
36-year-old obese guy who drank every night and smoked and fucking, like, what is shit? And ain't like shit. I mean, he was trying his best, but, like, he was like, he was like, what happened? Yeah. I don't it's, know. But it's one situation where the, the answer why can kind of be answered. You yeah. Know? Yeah, well, I, and, and that's answered. the thing. It's like, I just, like, people, like, like, Michael, oh, my God, that's fucked up that you would laugh at that. But I imagine talking to Vaughn after his death and going, dude, what happened? And he would say, what the fuck do you mean what happened? Look at me. And the like guy he, was constantly joking about dying. Yeah, constantly, all the time. Constantly joking about his own mortality. And um, I'm just glad he didn't kill himself. That would have been a lot sadder. <laughs> if he would have killed do himself. You think, do you think people thought that when they found out? Because in the initial message... It, it, I'm not going to lie, no- it would have passed through my head. Like, when I heard he had passed away, it was like, did he do something stupid? Might have, But, I mean, I also read it in the message that Richard had posted. So, like, you found out relatively quick that it happened in his sleep, you know. Right. But definitely there was, like, I mean, <laughs> Vaughn talked about suicide every fucking, in every sentence. You'd be talking about going to the beach and he'd somehow work away about how he was going to kill himself yeah, or something. Yeah, there's literally, a, there's a clip from our first episode where we talk about death and he literally says it would be best to go in my sleep. Yeah, so I and mean, he got he that. Goes. He got it. Uh, he did get the best way out as far as that goes. Um, I mean, the, the, the bright... <laughs> The bright side of death, I guess, is just, you know, there's a Norm MacDonald bit about that was talking about suicide and, and people were like, I just don't understand. And then Norm MacDonald's like, what do you mean you don't understand? Haven't you been alive? Don't you get it? Life is suffering and everything's sadness. You're just miserable. Uh-huh. So, um, but I did get, I did get choked up when I was writing one of my posts yeah about how we butt heads and that's what that is the thing that really started to like i i did like break down and cry for a short amount of time uh when i started thinking about that stuff because vaughn and i very much like there was this it's hard to explain but there was a, you know, when people die, when people die and like, let's say you knew that person really well. And then you see somebody who like knew them at a glance. Yeah. And then that person's talking about how like devastated they are. And you're like, really? Yeah. Are you that devastated? I feel like there might've been some reaction towards me on that post because of the public relationship that Vaughn and I have yeah like one of my friends said I used to see him shit on you on Facebook all the time and like I, I remember laughing at like him busting your balls and stuff and I know that some people might be like you know like Vaughn didn't even really like Scott but like Vaughn and I it was like publicly and privately there were it was two different things and uh and we butthead a lot because we were he's a big personality yeah. He was a big personality. And so are you. And I'm so am I. And that's always going to butt heads. Like, I always yeah. wonder if I would like myself if I knew who I was, because I'd probably be like, that guy's fucking loud. And he's like, he's. Ooh, that's he's a good question. Do, you, do right? you think you would? Um, 
Um, I think I probably would because I think I under I I appreciate busting balls. Yeah. And I bust balls, and if I knew me, I'd be busting my balls. And then, like, I got a buddy, my what a, a, close, a number of my best friends, like all the closest. I think I've explained this before. Everybody who's super close to me, I'm I'm meaner to a person the more I love them. I'll say meaner insults. I'll be harsher to them because part of it's a filtration system to say I I respect people who who can take a joke. So if you can't take a joke, then I'm not going to be able to be me around you because I'm always fucking joking. I could be serious. Obviously yeah. we're having this conversation right now, which is relatively serious, but uh, I'd, I'd like to be able to make the meanest, the people I can say the meanest things to it's a sign of respect from me. And I would say the meanest things to Vaughn. And uh, so, yeah, I would say that if I met me, I'd But definitely... he'd say them right back. Is the yeah, thing. exactly. And right? that was the thing the about thing. you guys. You guys matched each other. Yeah. In terms and Vaughn, of like, Vaughn, like, uh, it's, it's funny because I've talked about this. Um, Vaughn is, I've fucking lost my shit at Vaughn so many times. And he's lost his shit at me because we're both so similar and we're both like we both seem maybe so confident, but we're also both so fucking insecure at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so when I would like, like he, 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 there'd be these times where we would, he, he'd blow up at me. I'd fucking be, like snap back at him. And then we'd go through this massive storm of like, you know, like a Facebook argument between the two of us and a private message saying like, man, you fucking treat me like this, blah, 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 blah. And then, after our explosion at each other, we'd be like, all right, look, I apologize. I fucking respect you. And then we, we get back to, to where we were. Um, tempers as as friends. Yeah. Got some tempers on you. And I don't know if it's tempers. It's just like, we both wanted respect. Yeah. And, and I think the reason that we desired the respect from each other is because we respected each other. Mm-hmm. Vaughn, if he was here right now, would say, fuck that. I don't fucking respect Scott. He, but he'd say that jokingly because he has said to me in private part, like he said, I'll never admit this publicly and I probably won't ever say it again. But one of the reasons why I like, I give you such a hard time is because it's like a projection and I yeah. wish that I had the balls to say some of the things that you say. And the funny thing is, is like on the inverse of that is it's like, I wish I had the balls to do some of the things that he does, which is like to, I'll start to write a joke and I'll write a joke like once and then I'll work it out on stage. But if I really fucking like honed it, I could definitely have a lot stronger sharpened material, but I've got this fucking scatterbrain that can't stay focused on one thing. And Vaughn has that ability to stay focused and to really craft the joke into like a sharp, you know, he gets his LPM laughs per minute. He gets them up. He gets, you know, set up punchline quicker, set up punchline, tag, tag, tag. And I have this looser style. Yeah. Now my style's more 
I hate to use the fucking word. It bothers me because I don't believe it is, but Uh risky. Some of the the, the things that I'll say have been told that they're risky. I don't think, I don't necessarily feel like they're, they're particularly risky other than the reason edgy, that, maybe maybe edgy. but even edgy i hate same, because same i feel like well it's just like it's like i'm trying to provoke and i generally there is a part of me that wants to provoke but the prov- the provocation is not for the sake of provoking i'm not pushing somebody i'm not telling like you know like uh uh humor about certain subjects because I want to bother people and a lot of people that do those types of things, they're just trying to go out and troll. I have a fucking point. And my point is there's nothing off limits. Like I want to be able, I wrote this article, God, I don't know how long ago, probably close to 10 years ago called free to fuck up. And it was about how I want to have that freedom. And I feel like we don't have it anymore is we're not allowed to fucking say the wrong thing. Otherwise, you're the worst possible representation of that thing. Mm-hmm. And I miss being able to, like, like to, to say the wrong word or to make a joke that fell flat that didn't have any negative intention, but because it fell flat, now it looks like that kind of thing. Right. I don't know, like, like, if it makes sense, but... No, it does. I mean, I, Andrew Vaughn talked about this, too. Like, like that we aren't allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. And I missed that because I'm a bumbling fucking idiot. Like I, I make mistakes all the time. I will, I will passionately start an opinion. And then if I hear a non emotionally charged argument on the other end, like that's kind of like the logical antithesis of what I'm saying. If it makes more sense, I fucking have to submit to that. Because it's that's all I go for. If it's charged by emotion, well, you don't know what it's like to be that kind of person. You don't know what it's like. But I I understand what it's like to be that, like, a person that's dealt with it, like, trigger warnings and shit like that. Yeah. You know, I, I get the fucking purpose of them. But I also say, fuck trigger warnings because the world's not always just going to go your way, you know? No. Sometimes your fucking best friend's gonna die. Well, Sometimes, I mean, it, like, like when I when I when I found out about uh, uh, my mother, and my kids, and having the affair and everything, when I would go to work at the fucking mall, I'd see families, young families, with their kids walking around, and I'd go, and I'd go, fuck, look at that. That's what I don't have. That's what I could have. That's been robbed from me. Where's my fucking trigger warning? Well, you don't have it. I got to deal with that. We didn't, have, deal we with didn't that. have trigger warnings like growing up in our generation. Like No, and I guess there's high all school, kinds junior of, high. Like There's a bunch of research that, that has done, I don't know if you've ever heard Jonathan Haidt, but he's a, a social psychologist, I believe, um, in Harvard or Yale. I can't remember exactly where he is, but uh, he was talking about how trigger warnings can actually make you feel like something is triggering when it's not and he gave the example of um if you take a kids a bunch of kids on a school trip to the bronx and you just like to show them the history of the bronx then those kids you know they'll as they're walking along they'll learn the history of the bronx 
But if you tell those kids before they get off the, the bus, like, all right, kids, just be careful. This is a, we just want to let you know, trigger warning. This is a, a, a very low income area. There's a lot of like dangerous people and crimes that have happened here. You'll be safe with us. We'll be making sure we have security here with us to make we're safe. But, but uh, just be warned. We want to give you a trigger warning. And then they get off the bus and now they're fucking looking over their shoulders. They so, won't learn. They won't learn or absorb things. Yeah. And in the right way because they're expecting to be scared. Yeah. And they'll anticipate. They'll, yeah. And so when you go into a conversation, you put a trigger warning, you might be able to hear that fucking thing and be fine. You know, maybe hear the story about a traumatic, traumatic event and you'll be okay. And mm-hmm. then, and then, but then you put up a trigger warning and you're like, ah, you know what? I don't want to talk about this. And yeah. Well, I mean, people in general, I think that there's a type of person that doesn't want um, to feel uncomfortable ever. Yeah. And that's fucking everybody. And I, but I, it's not everybody though. Cause like, I don't mind being uncomfortable. I, I like having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Like, even if it's about like specifically about yourself, like you mm-hmm. and I have talked about the shitty aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can have that conversation. Well, most people. I've lost. Are... I've lost friends over that. Like I've been honest with friends and lost friends because oh, I said something a little too real, like yeah, a little lost... too fucking real. You know, like you've lost weak friends who you're better for it. I yeah I feel like a lot of people don't realize that I really have no ill intentions. I don't want to make people feel bad, but I'm I don't I also want to be honest about the way that I see the world because like Facebook's doing this fucking thing apparently where they're going to start uh, banning certain types of posts that are that are against World Health Organization. Um, okay. Like recommendations about COVID. They're like, oh, we're going to put uh, either ban it or put like warnings and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and maybe the warnings I'm not so uh, against, but the outright banning, I think that's so dangerous. In a Why would they be ways. banning them? Well, because they don't want false information to, they want to de-platform false information. But guess what happens when you de-platform something? Now it becomes more appealing. Yeah, people will find it somewhere else. Drinking at 16 is a lot more fun than drinking at at 30 because you're not allowed to do it. It's a a little bit bad. And when you come out, when you first start drinking, it's like, Ooh, I'm do. I'm, I get to do all those cool things. I would that were for. It was the forbidden fruit for so long. And then you go crazy. And then by the time you're yeah. thirty, it's like you're drinking in your fucking apartment instead of going downtown and blowing all your money because you understand now what that whole thing is about. Yeah. So like, I used to be a really. I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, I struggled with, uh, I, I got to see George Carlin, a lot of George Carlin bits in, he has this one bit on, uh, I think it's uh, down and dirty in New Jersey or something like that. It's, it's uh, about the, the Bible. It's called, which is known as the greatest story ever told. He calls it the greatest bullshit story ever told. And it's like a 12 minute bit 
where he's just tearing apart the Bible. Yeah. And I saw that when I was in grade seven or eight. And I remember thinking like, I was laughing at his whole special. And then it got to this part shitting on the Bible. And I was still like kind of holding on to that belief. And I remember thinking like, fuck this guy as soon as he got to that. But then I became, I lost my faith. And then I saw it as like an angry atheist. And I remember being like, yeah, get him, Carlin. And now I see angry atheists of today. And I'm just like, like, chill the fuck out. It's a like, little, it's, you're more, it's more in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if, I try to remove emotion from everything when I try to, when I try to form an opinion, but you the know, only thing that, that, that I would say, if anything is anger has a hard, has a hard time for me to let go of, which is usually, um, anger at rage at outrage. Cause I you feel get like angry of, when people are angry. Yeah. Cause it's like, that man, makes total sense for who out. you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, but I also can't like, I'm an aggressive person on everything I do. Like I, I never motivate myself to work out by going, Hey man, you know, you can do it. Just get up off that couch and, 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 you know, prove it to yourself. I'm like, you piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? Get up, you fat cunt. And then I like, I, I anger myself and then I go, you're fucking all right. All right. I'll do it. Like the other day. I and I mean, this. I get how some people wouldn't like that approach, but listen, it's your approach. Yeah. And I, it doesn't I, have to be I, their approach. I tried to tell it to my buddy Cliff, who comedian in Toronto. He'd be great to have on the podcast. Yeah. Clifford Myers. I'll get you in contact oh, okay. with him. Perfect. He's awesome. Uh, Cliff's like, he's a, he's a really, he's, you'll, you'll, he's one of my best friends. And every time he, like he, he just went through a divorce and all this trauma and uh, he, uh, <laughs> I'm always like there for him whenever, whenever shit hits the fan. He was one of the first people I called after I found out about the affair and all that stuff. Like whenever some traumatic shit happens, I talk, it's like, I, we're there for each other. Yeah. And he always, he always laughs at how I'm the one that's so like, helpful for him because our personalities are very different. Like he's a very positive guy and he's very upbeat. Doesn't want to offend like worries about offending more than others. Like his comedy is very uh, goofy and fun where mine is more like opinionated and kind of like edgy. edgy. I hate the fucking word, but yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he but, always But you know why you get along, though? Like, you get along because you've been through similar crazy life. Like, when you're talking yeah. about using logic and being logical and, like, that, that, that's how you deal with things, do you know what I hear? Self-defense what? mechanism. What, when I am trying to be logic? I think you've been through so much and you've been through so much chaos and you've had so much chaotic, like, chaotic things happen in your life mm-hmm. that logic probably feels safe for you well am i right um logic rarely rarely uh fails fails you can it's it's true you can have there's bad logic okay you know what a great way to go and get rid of the 
coronavirus would be? Kill everybody infected <laughs> and burn all their clothes and everyone that they associated in the last two weeks. Yeah. You could, that's the most logical solution if the end game is get rid of coronavirus. Right. But that's not the most humane. So you do have to have like a balance. It's kind of like how they say AI, like if you, you program AI to protect humans and then they see that humans are, you know, like destroying the ozone layer or they're overmining resources, then the AI may work against it to kill humans because humans are the threat to themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think that fucking Eagle Eye movie with uh, Shia LaBeouf or whoever was was a similar concept to it. It's been done. uh, The question has been asked a hundred times. It's actually a real concern for a lot of people that when it comes to AI um, is like, what if the programming isn't clear and then it goes to, to, to to harm us instead of when it's supposed to be helping us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a black mirror episode. Yeah, but as far as uh, as far as I don't know if it's so much as a defense. There is a there is truth in the defense mechanism. Well, it, thing. maybe defense mechanism isn't the right word. But coping I, mechanism cope, that might be the better word to describe yeah. it because I mean, there's there's evidence that I mean, people who've experienced trauma become oddly calm when like later in life when things are going wrong Mm -hmm. like do you know what i mean like emotion has led me to some bad places and they're highly illogical okay oh emotion emotion is my biggest uh uh whole thing that holds me back the most is emotion because logic doesn't doesn't uh uh, doesn't a lot of the things that I'm like insecure about are illogical to be insecure about them, right? A lot of things that you're insecure about, it's illogical. Okay. Well, I mean, it depends. It depends. Um, cause, cause I mean, I've been, I've been using logic a lot lately and just in regards to like men and like, mm-hmm. I, and it's as simple as like, recording my own <laughs> recording my own voice talking to me going you can't make him love you you can't make him love you yeah that's logic yes but to be to for like in terms of insecurities but there is an emotion in that logic that you have there is but i'm also i'm reading this book called codependent no more because i'm a very codependent person and i like helping i like going for guys who need me because i find that i like it gives me purpose to be needed um and then but being a codependent also means that you go for these men and you hope they'll eventually get better and change yeah and be with you and that's not i can't I can't be doing that right now, you know, no. like at all. So, it's, I mean, I, I feel that a lot of ways too, because like, um, well, I'm a comedian. I'm an entertainer. Uh, that's what I always say would be on my business card would be entertainer over anything else. Uh, because it's like, there's, I, I enjoy doing music. I enjoy doing comedy. I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy all these things. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh, uh, all of that, all of that. I talked about this in therapy before. 
is like is like is that just is my artistic pursuit uh, in some way toxic because of the need for validation that comes with it. Any comedian that says, I'm just doing it because I want to be heard, man, is a lying piece of shit. It's like, yeah, that's part of what you want. But the other thing you want is you want those laughs. You want that validation. That's widely accepted. You want it because you didn't get it from your dad. Like that's 99% of it is that you felt like your parents never thought, you know, (laughs) they never really approved of the skill set that you did have. And now you need to get validation elsewhere. And so it's a danger in every relationship to make yourself worth based on the, sal- the, the, the validation of the person that you're with, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, that's kind of what I'm working on and learning right now mm-hmm. is like, I, I'm getting much better at it. Just like facts, plain, hard facts. Here are Again. all the reasons. And I've written them down. Like, here are all the reasons that this person actually really isn't good for me. Despite yeah. all, despite all of these all of these other things, which are very much so like, I would, th- I would say like more so like sexual attraction based. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just went off the pill. So apparently when you go off the pill, you're attracted to a different type of guy. Oh really? And I'm already kind of like feeling like, Oh, okay. Maybe this guy isn't the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's like, maybe that's all the self-help books I'm reading because of quarantine. Maybe that's a mixture of that plus biology. I don't know. Honestly. I don't know. So what made things easier for me in dating was when I, and I mean, maybe a lot of people don't have this luxury, but I just stopped giving a fuck. So when we're talking about logic versus emotion, uh-huh. um, I was in the worst relationship of my life where I was miserable. I stopped doing comedy. I stopped playing guitar. I basically lost all my self-worth. When I found out about certain things and the relationship ended, Oh my God, that's the greatest thing ever because now I'm not in, I don't have to be in this horrible relationship anymore. Yeah. Now I can actually go out and be myself again. But guess what? I was traumatized by it all. I was an emotional fucking wreck. I wanted nothing more than to be back in that relationship. That was literally, I had said a thousand times, God, this is horrible. I like, this is the worst why why place. do you think you want to be back on it comfort uh well there's my again the idea of of i was my parents are still together and i was raised in a nuclear family essentially i had a mother a father and the four kids now we weren't a typical family we all kinds of dysfunction there and that you know we basically don't say I love you. Like when, yeah. when, when my parents say I love you, it's like, oh, <laughs> ah, what are you doing? Like we yeah, just no. not that My family kind of, was the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's uh it's yeah it's very very like again it's a part of what created me who i am because the one of the ways that we showed affection was busting balls was giving somebody shit there's i don't recommend that as a as i i tell my kids i love them all the time i also bust my kids balls but i also tell them i love them and that you know i'm proud of them and stuff like that but there's there's and i do that a lot i make sure because i don't want my kids to you know have that same kind of insecurity that i know where it came from exactly but uh, the emotion the emotion said i wanted to have oh geez this family this family which it it didn't exist it was like looking back at through rose colored lenses or whatever it's like this thing it was like i was i was caught up in a swirl of what if and it was like, what if things would have got better? Or, oh, things could have been this thinking way. like a woman. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. An emotional like, crazy bitch. Yeah. Well, idealizing, <laughs> you, you idealized. Absolutely. Rather and, than like seeing it for what it was. Yeah. And, and there's still like, there's still like a part of me that will go like, you know, it sucks that things didn't, work out in an idyllic way yeah but it's it doesn't even hold on to me for like a second it's literally like if that sometimes i'll be like ah, whatever things are the way they are sucks that that things like you know it sucks that Vaughn died but what the fuck am i gonna do he's dead it's nothing we can do now all i can do is you know move on and live my life the new way it is now without that guy in my life as my friend it's not that it doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, it's different with a friend in death than it is in a relationship, but uh, emotion can basically just hold you in a really bad spot. And I went to a really dark, really bad spot. Uh, and then after, uh, after uh, it was like, I, I, I met this girl on Tinder. Uh, we went on a couple dates, not a couple times. And maybe this was over the course of a month. And when she was like, hey, you know, like, not sure if we should keep going with this, you know, like, and it was mostly because of the kids. She was like, I I don't have kids. You got kids. I'm not so sure about that. Um, I got other things in my life that I might want to do. And I just don't know if making this commitment is the right thing for me right now. And like, I was fucking devastated over that. But that's because emotionally... I was looking at the fear of being alone for the rest of my life because you stack up when you're in their emotion, especially in a negative emotion, you start to stack up all the potential negatives Yeah, and potential negatives are endless, which is why honesty is so important in a relationship. Because if there's something that you have, that's, if you have like, huh, is, is my partner acting this way because they're cheating on me? <laughs> or are they do they not like me anymore do they want out and do this that this that it's there's no there's no clear answer there and now you have to carry around the weight of all of those negative things where if you say to your partner and you're probably afraid of nagging them that that nagging them might leave them or whatever but if you say to them look i've been feeling this way i need to know is there any merit to how i'm feeling right now that partner is either going to do one thing 
take one of those negative scenarios and bring it into reality. And now you're equipped to do, now you just know what you have to deal with. Yeah, I don't love you anymore. Okay, I guess we got to break up and now I got to deal with this process. Or they're going to say, you know, like I had a, a, an ex-girlfriend of mine t- was talking about her boyfriend and how she felt like there was all this stuff going on. And when she brought, I said, you got to talk to him and you got to talk to him tonight. And she went home, she asked him and he said, I just feel bad because I've been laid off work and I feel like I'm not being that good of a provider. And I just make, I feel like, I feel ashamed that I don't have a job and that you're paying all the bills. And it's like, Oh, she was just dealing with, is he cheating on me? Does he not love me? Mm -hmm. Does he, is he annoyed by this, that, the other thing? Is there a million things going on? And when there's a million things going on and you don't know what that negative thing is, you are now dealing with those million things as if they're real. Yeah. But once the the thing that could have happened in her conversation with her boyfriend is could have been like, you know what? I've been cheating on you. And she would have been like, that sucks. Now I got to deal with and do with what I would have to do with that. But turned out that it was not, it was just, he was ashamed that he was, he felt like he was letting her down as a, as a partner and as a provider. And she messaged back. So you're fucking right. Cause like, Oh, look, it wasn't nearly as bad as what I thought it oh, was. Oh, 100%. But sometimes people do lie. Sure, sure. There are. And, there is the odd situation yeah. where you might come to your partner and be like, I think you might be cheating. And that partner has not yet, um, I guess, accepted that part of themselves or mm-hmm. even admitted it to themselves. Maybe they're in yeah. denial too. And they might say things like, you're crazy. Why don't you trust me? And that's how gaslighting happens. And yeah, it's it true. It can get, but, but I mean, listen, like, I think even just taking, I think it can be scary to even bring those fears up. Oh, it's absolutely. It, it is. is really it scary. Is. Cause you don't want to come off. I mean, especially as women, we don't want to come off as needy because we get mm-hmm. the needy stigma a lot. What I'm, happens when you I've come off it. as, what happens when you come off as needy? I mean, I think that you'd start to feel like you're overbearing to that person and you're too okay. much and you instantly yeah. have to tone it down. Anxiety. Yeah. And judgment. Okay. And I feel like and- you would get judgment from your partner. Mm-hmm. You would feel like your partner's judging you. So basically, again, what, what the response you gave me is emotional. And yeah. it's not so much in the realm of logic. It's logical. Logic and emotion are not oil and water they're not mutually exclusive they they can be commingled like you can have an emotional response that is logical but a lot of the time it's rare that a logical conclusion gets to it gets to the wrong place again yeah somebody could say kill everybody with covid to get (laughs) rid of this thing but like that's going to get shot down pretty quick in a logical conversation. When you're like, you're like raising, uh, doing a logical brainstorm of the potentials of a way to deal with the crisis. Uh, logic's the best way to do that. Yeah. So, and I believe, I believe that there's a lot of uh, value in the, in the, um, the whole innocent till proven guilty thing is because you have to, have a discussion really to figure out what is, you know, the best way forward. And that's why, like, again, 
emotion may lead you to say, it's this, it's this, it's this. I know it's this. When it's not, yeah. emotion may lead you to, and, uh, I don't you, know, I just, I, I just feel you know like logic the is really the, the, the thing that fucks it over. The worst thing for emotional people is tarot card readings. Yeah, well, because usually with because tarot card reading, you will hear exactly what you want to hear. Same with your horoscope. Yeah. Same with fucking ghosts. Same with burning sage. What the fuck's? I have to constantly keep it in check because it's something I'm I'm intrigued in and interested in. You're, but you're, I also how old know are you? you're thirty something now. I'm thirty three, but like thirty three. I I recently like I used. I used to get. You're bathing in essential oils. You're burning sage. I'm not reading doing a horoscope that. and doing tarot card readings. I'm going doing, to fuck it. You're about to be a doula. I do a lot of tarot card readings, but I recently stopped. Okay, so I do these things online called pick a card readings, and you're going to mm-hmm. roll your eyes so hard at this. But it's oh, literally yeah, like absolutely. a YouTube video that, like, where you pick. They'll show you like four or five decks, and you pick which one you're drawn to drawn to um and it'll give you a reading based on a question they put the question in the title so like mm-hmm. usually if you look at them they're all about relationships and what are they all about unrequited love is he thinking about me does he miss me does he feel the same like it's all these questions about women who are alone and wondering what is going on with that person mm-hmm. and i had to stop watching them because it was telling me too much of what I wanted to hear. This person's your soulmate. This person just needs to deal with his shit and he'll come back to you. Like all of this, all of this stuff. I know it was, it's real bad, but you'll be proud. I stopped doing it. Stop watching them. I've got, yeah. So this is the other thing I mentioned (laughs) earlier that I have a ton of bro-y friends that love their blue lobsters and their fucking hockey playing douchebag. Yeah. And their rig pig oil workers just like, they're, they're just, they're just so bro. And like one of my best friends is the, I call him the pinnacle of man. Cause he's just an Uber douche. He's the biggest douche on the planet. Love him to death. He's a good guy, but he is the fucking dumbest guy in the world. He's also not that dumb. If he was here, he'd be laughing. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Um, I do have that group of friends. I also have, Uh-oh. I have more, I have more hippie friends than probably the most hippie person. Really? Yes. So do you know? Good, close friends. Have you ever had a tarot reading? No, because like. God, I would love to see that. (sighs) I would fucking love to see you get a tarot card reading. Before Andrew died, Andrew Vaughn was going to do the podcast with a tarot card reader. We were going to record it. Here's the thing about a tarot card reader. Why not just play 52 pickup? Why is there got to be a special person? There's fucking was talking about. Uh, I shouldn't say a friend of mine <laughs> beat the name was talking about a friend of theirs that was doing some type of fucking energy reading. Reiki or something? Reiki, there you go. They were doing Reiki. And they were doing Reiki. And usually you go to Reiki and you hold the object in your hand, I guess, or you do whatever the fuck you go in, you feel the vibe, the Zen, whatever. And they were doing, oh, at home. Oh, don't worry. I can do my Reiki readings from the privacy of my home now. Yeah, imagine that. Because it's fucking bullshit. Let me ask you. When people ask about the energy that a fucking gemstone keeps away from you, why do they never give us a tangible, measurable energy I know. they're talking about? They just say fucking energy. Well, I don't. Y- you got to attract positive energy. It's like, 
man, shut the fuck up. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that. If you're more positive about things, more positive things will happen. If you I also think so much of this is placebo. It's so much of it is placebo. Yeah. No shit. I, I've been placebo. told. It's I've been told by this person. I've been told by this person that I trust or that I I've put some value in that this thing is supposed to be. I won't lie. I have amethyst rose quartz and I have a I think another one on my nightstand mm-hmm. still to this day because I don't know why I'm like maybe it'll bring something my way. This is the it thing. Never, it never really does. It never really does. I you know, like the, the only reason I'm talking about this right now is because we're doing a podcast. Generally, I keep these conversations to myself or to Uh-oh. the people that I'm talking to, like to the to my close friends or to a one-on-one conversation. This is a Scott McLean exclusive. But. Uh, it's the same reason why I don't go into churches on Sunday and say, it's all bullshit, you idiots. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, like God cares who you fuck? Why? He made Mars and the sun, and you think he gives a shit where you stick your dick? Like, obviously, he, but I don't do that. Like, I don't go up to my fucking 87-year-old aunt and say, hey, you know, you idiot. How could you be such a fool? And I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anybody. Shit. But at the same well, also, time, but also let people enjoy. Like if they enjoy it, let them enjoy it. Yeah, but some of this stuff can be toxic, man. Like I feel like some. I would like agree your, with that too. Your, I would agree with that too. The extreme cases. Okay. You're, you're you're set up to be taken advantage of. Absolutely. I would I would agree with, and I fall right in the middle with tarot card readings. I do think that there's some. I don't know. I've just, I've had things said to me that I'm like, interesting that these mystical cards are manufactured and packaged by Chinese shop workers. Okay. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that, that these things are mass produced. They have barcodes. Your mysticism has a fucking barcode. Your mysticism, your thing that has encapsulated the, 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 all the, energies of the universe which is able to open the door it has a barcode it goes beep when you scan it in a store i know i know i know what yeah, yeah. what do you fucking mean and then yeah joe blow fuck like i mean have you ever had any any type of okay so but here's my question I used to, to believe you so in take, all of this shit. take physical items out of it so tarot cards crystals we're gonna take all those out of it have you ever had an experience that felt um otherworldly or kind of like fate i was talking to my kids about this the other day yeah literally i think it was just yesterday we were talking about ghosts Ooh. and i said uh have you ever noticed that or they they said so you don't believe in ghosts and i was like no and i didn't want to fucking ruin their fun because campfires are a lot of fun and shit like that and it's cool to be scared and stuff but like like Nobody who doesn't believe in ghosts gets encountered by ghosts. Yeah. They did when they believed Ah. in ghosts. I got ghost stories. I got some paranormal shit I could tell you about. Scared the ever-living fuck out of me. But guess what? Hasn't happened since I stopped believing in that stuff. That's interesting. The secret? Okay, let's take the secret, right? So visualization and manifesting. power of attraction. Vision boards and all that. Yeah, 
if you work really hard on something, good fucking chance you're going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. if you spend every waking moment working towards a goal and you throw away everything else, there's a fucking high chance you're going to do it. That's going to come your way. If you spend all your time working towards it and, you know, that's positive energy. Nobody's spending all their time uh, doing something and then feeling, you know, miserable about it because eventually your misery is going to make you go, fuck it. It's the reason why every now and then I fucking, I'll, I'll take a break from comedy is because my just insecurity and self-loathing gets a hold of me. And then I go, ugh, fuck it, who am I? And then I stop doing it for like a month or two because I feel like I have no self-worth. And then I go, ah, fuck that. You're funny. Get back and do it. And then I go up and I start killing it on stage. Then I have a bad set. And then, you know, it's either let that set go or look at it positively and go, hey, that's going to happen sometimes. You're going to take a couple bumps along the way. Keep going, bud. And guess what? The more I keep going, the more doors open. The, look at what fucking happened with this goddamn kitchen party thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've, I've been wanting to do live music performing forever, and I have done it. I've been the lead role in musicals, mo- several musicals recently, two years ago, and I did all the choreography for all the dances that I was in. Uh, I saw that you posted an Instagram story of like an old play or something. Yeah. I mean, that one, that story was, that was from fucking grade 12. That was, that was years ago. But two years ago, I was in, I think it was two years ago. I was uh, in the music man. I was Harold Hill and I was the lead role. I I had six solos and I did all the choreography for all my songs, made it some of the choreography for the entire cast. And, but for some reason there was always something that stopped me from doing live musical performances right now if i'm at a campfire whatever but i was always like nervous about doing a live performance with my guitar and then in front of a physical crowd in front of a physical crowd it's definitely easier in the kitchen and you're literally in a kitchen absolutely but it's definitely when all this is over it's definitely building up my confidence to think, oh, I could actually go out and do this live and I could be fun, even if I'm not the best, because I am entertaining at the very least. I feel like a lot of like artists have that, you know, they have that either like humble, like, well, this next song I was, uh, I was, uh, I was having a rough time. I'm just like, all right, here's a good song. Let's play this. Yeah. Or whatever. But people like that. Yeah, and and but with some people like the tortured artist thing. I just like the honesty thing. And but anyway, since since I started playing this music and saying fuck it, I don't care. I like to do it. I'm gonna do it. Uh, you know, just this week on Monday they had talked about this performance on yeah. the radio in Anakinish, and Hell I got, yeah, we got an article on nsbuzz.ca talking about it. And it's amazing. I'm imagining, I don't know, maybe this Saturday it'll be back down to 20 people, but I feel no, like but it'll don't, probably don't think be. That. Don't think that because you know what? You did it. And that's like half the, half the battle is actually doing it. 
and committing to it. Well, again, the negative, so that's, we'll call that thing that says maybe there'll only be 20 people on this one. You could say that that's projecting a negative outlook into the universe. And that means the universe will respond to me negatively. Um, Yeah. If I hold on to that negativity and then manifest that through my actions, i.e. if I go, if I get filled with apathy and go, well, that was just a one-time thing. It's never going to happen again. And then I prevent myself from preparing and performing and making sure I was ready to do the things necessary to bring in an audience. Then yeah, yeah, because my negative thoughts have caused my physical actions to not do. So that's, that's where you can say there's truth in the secret, but it's, it's, but I think the difference is you're doing more than just the, the people that I don't like are only the people who envision things, but don't act on opportunity. So like, oh, they that, don't, you're talking they about don't, one of them right now. I'm tr- but you, you did do it. You, I did. You took, that's taking action. The people who just sit back and say, I see myself doing this and I'm going to see myself doing that. And they don't actually do anything. That's, those people, I don't think we'll, we'll get anywhere. Well, they definitely just won't. fall into your lap. Like Again. I heard, um, I've heard this phrase like on a couple podcasts: "Act as if, act as if you already." So, in other words, like act as if you're the comedian you want to be. Yeah. Even if, even if you have a bad set, act as if. Well, dude, I have like lately. I've, as far as comedy goes, like before all this fucking lockdown happened. I was pretty much fucking crushing. Even when I wasn't like do, even when I wasn't like absolutely tearing the fucking house down, I wasn't having bad sets. My bad sets were like really good sets, and it was because I, I, you embodied it. Yeah, I, I. Confidence has a lot to do with it, and commitment has a lot to do with it. Um, uh, who was it? It was Jordan Peterson. I know a lot of your viewers would probably think that he's evil, but he has this comp- this thing where he says, uh, um, treat yourself as if you're somebody who you care for. Yeah. Would you go and tell somebody that you care for that you think they're fucking shit and they shouldn't try? No. Yeah. You try to encourage that person to go after that thing they do. And I do that all the fucking time. I'm great at giving advice. I'm terrible at heeding my own. Because there are a million and a half things that I want to do that I haven't pushed myself enough to do. Yeah, and yet, yet, but I mean, slowly maybe I it chip takes, away, and, and I but get maybe there. it takes little accomplishing little goals to get you to the big goal. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. There's that confidence building. There's that you know that book, and I've never read it, but I feel like I probably understand the entire message of the book is the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I have it. Yeah. Cause not yeah. giving a fuck is it's really, it's the way it is. And when you it can look be hard at sometimes it, not to give a fuck though, it's it hard, hard because, uh, well, putting yourself out there is hard. Oh yeah. When you put yourself out there and you succeed, like it's, it's kind of funny. Cause like, okay. A lot of times when I would do, musical performances. I I take a lot of shit. I give a lot of shit. I bust a lot of balls. So a lot of people bust balls. A lot of people don't take me seriously because I try not to take things too seriously 
because in the end we're all going to fucking die and we're all just floating on this goddamn well, yeah, of course. through the sun and ultimately life is pretty much fucking meaningless. We're going to get there because I have a, a follow-up question about that. Okay, but not giving a fuck, like I've said to my friends, and I get, I get this way when I'm drinking more, is, is I've said to my friends before, like, it's all a video game. Like, yeah. if n- none of it's <laughs> real. Like, we'll go downtown and I'll just, like, the amount of times I should have been punched in the face for the shit that I've <laughs> said to people, but I've gotten away with it and made friends with the people that I've been, like, busting their balls. Yeah. And, my like, I've got friends of mine who are like, man, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, it's all a video game. Like, that. None of it's real. It's like, you see this guy, like, okay, there's 200 people that were watching me play guitar, but in all honesty, what do those 200 people have as a real tangible effect on my life day to day? You know, I still got to wash the fucking dishes. I still got to make my food. I still got to wipe my ass. I still have real shit that I got to deal with. Um, a stranger who writes some shit about you or doesn't like you, it's like, all right, whatever. You're going to find somebody that, that you're going to find your audience kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and if you just don't give a fuck about what other people think, as long as your intention is not malicious, yeah. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. No, of And that's not. a hard thing for me is that, especially with my like fucking opinions that I have that are not particularly popular is that I have to remind myself I'm not being, I'm not, my intention is not to be malicious. I really don't want to hurt anybody's feelings ever. And if I do, I apologize for the fact that you got hurt and I'll listen to your side. And honestly, if you come back at me with a, a logical argument that I may concede to your logic if it's logic but if it's emotional based you don't know what it's like to be that type of person it's like well you don't know what it's like to be me so how can i'm gonna stack up your you don't know what it's like against somebody else's you don't know what it's like and then what do you have when two people like if let's say it's like a uh, uh somebody who's been um assaulted Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's getting who's, sexually who, or no, just well, whatever you can say sexually or whatever. I mean, I was going to say sexually assaulted or whatever. Cause that's uh, more, I'm, I'm trying to be less uh, <laughs> egregious to, to make my point work, but okay. okay. We'll say sexually assaulted because ooh, that was where I was going to go. Some yeah. people say that have been sexually assaulted will say, you can't make a joke about this thing. And then there's other people who have been sexually assaulted who say, yeah, you can. Right. Now what? Now that you've got two people from the same demographic who don't agree on a certain thing, what is the tool that we use to decipher who is right? And I think logic is that tool. So when it comes to shoot comedy, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. you can't joke about that. Well, can't you change the fucking channel? Yeah, can't yeah, you yeah. not watch it? Can't you go? You know what? Well, it's free speech. This at the end guy's, of the day. yeah, it's not for me, and that's why. I, like, I believe in free speech to the utmost. I, I, I much, 
I don't like that Alex Jones isn't on fucking YouTube or Facebook or anything like that because I like to know what crazy people are saying. Yeah. I like, cause sometimes like when you close the door to conversation, you open the door to violence. And, and that's, that's how Trump got elected was that people, if you were a Trump supporter, you were uh, a racist, a sexist, a blah, 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 blah. And look, I'm not a fucking Trump fan by any means. I think the guy's a colossal asshole. I don't know how anybody could vote for, I don't know how you could be so dumb to think that a billionaire who spent a career ripping off blue collared people have blue collared people's interest in mind. You're a, you are not thinking straight if you think that guy has your interest, your best interest. But um, Americans are fucking notorious for voting against their best self-interest. But yeah. it's pick a side. It's a blue tie or a red tie. It's, oh, I'm conservative and I'm, I'm, I'm Democrat. And, and I'm like, there's people who voted for Obama who also voted for Trump. So yeah. you can't call all Trump supporters racist. And, and so when you have, basically when you have, yeah, I guess I, I, I've said it is, when you have two people who have differing opinions, but they are from the same, we'll call it the afflicted demographic. They are the victims of the thing that you are talking about. One says it's okay. One says it isn't. So in other words, two people who have been sexually assaulted. My fucking joke, my David Attenborough joke. Okay. Yeah. Um, about it's a quote unquote rape joke. Cause it says the word rape in it. It's not a rape joke at all, but it says the word rape in it. So yeah. it's a rape joke. I've heard it from both sides. I've mm-hmm. heard it from, I've heard it from one person who passionately stood outside of, of, of a comedy club and told me, I, you know, you, you shouldn't you? say this ever again. I wish you wouldn't. I know, I know that you're just trying to be funny, but, but it's a, it's a thing that affected me and I still deal with this and, and all this. And they made, and they stated their case. And you know what I did? I nodded my head. I, I said, you know what? I apologize. Didn't mean to cause any offense. I really appreciate you, uh, you telling me this and, and uh, I hope I didn't ruin your night. I hope you can still, and they were like, you know what? It's okay. Whatever. They went back in, they enjoyed the rest of the show. I agreed to that person. I would never tell a joke again. I'm not fucking, I told the joke the next night. Okay. But that person's never going to see me do comedy again. There's a very low chance that that person's ever going to see me. I've also had significantly more people who I know have been sexually assaulted hear me tell the story about this other one and say, that person's a fucking idiot because that's not what the joke's about. I've, I've have a joke where I say, um, where I said, uh, I, I kind of like criticize the gay pride parade mainly because I think pride's dumb. I think pride's especially dumb when you are born away, when it's something that happened to you. Racial pride is stupid. It's pride's the wrong word. It's a lack of shame is what you have, not pride. You shouldn't be proud of something that you happen to be. Um, so the pride parade, I have this joke about how uh, uh, they, it started off just people wanting to be accepting. And part of it was to say, we're not just the stereotype. We're, we're just, we're just people, you know? And, uh, but then, you know, you have a, a parade of nothing but the stereotypes and i and again this right. is a comedy bit uh and it works better on stage but ultimately yes. it comes down to the point of uh i'm not saying we should stop the gay pride parade i'm saying somewhere between the dildo float and the crotchless leather pants dance there should be a bunch of normal gay guys like hey 
Okay. We're gay too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get yeah. I it's a smart joke. It's you But need then to- I say in the joke, I say, we don't do all that faggy shit. We're just gay. And yeah. I told that joke in twenty I wanna say two thousand nine. And I've told it recently. I was told recently that that joke is uh, because I said faggy, that that is borderline hate speech. But it's funny because when I told that joke, you know, however many years ago, very close friends of mine, two guys that were were a couple, were like, they were thanking me for telling the joke because they feel the same way. They were like, we feel like we're not represented by the gay pride parade because it's so flamboyant and we're like, we're just normal fucking dudes that drive four wheelers and play paintball. And everybody, like people say to them, Oh, I didn't know you were gay. You don't seem gay. Yeah. What do you mean seem gay? You just are gay. But the, the parade, and again, I'm not saying it should be stopped because I think it's a good thing. Ultimately. Uh, I think the the overall message is good, or at least the original message is good. Um, But, but you know, like, a, a lot of people, they hear the word, they say, oh, that's the bad thing. They forget the message of the fucking joke, which is, is like, not all cave people are the same. They're not a fucking homogenous entity that all have a hive mind and are the exact same thing. Isn't that progressive? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know people get fucked up with words, but it's like, that word... I don't say it more to, I, I've never heard it said more by anybody than a gay person. Cause they're usually yeah. just busting each other's balls or I'm busting theirs. Cause if you're the type of person that hangs out with me and then people throw that, Oh, are you going to give me the, you have a, a, a gay friend argument. And it's like, that's a good argument because again, this is a person who you are alleging to speak up for. Yeah, exactly. And, and they disagree with you. They're supporting your joke. Yeah. So yeah, then yeah. you go, where, where, what do you do? Okay. We have one, obviously there's gay people out there who think that me saying that word is fucking horrible. And obviously yeah. there's, I mean, I, I personally know other, I personally know people from both ilks. What do you do now? When you What's have the, the consensus? What, yeah. where, and how do you get to, is it okay? I don't okay? think that there is one. No, I don't there, think is. That there is. There one. is. And how do you get there? You get there through logic. Yeah. Because especially the one that's saying you can't say that is, is an emotionally based argument because of how it has made them feel. And, and you know what? It's like, and this is why it's such a difficult conversation is because I empathize with that. I do really know what it's like to be told, maybe not, I'm not gay, so I don't fully empathize in that sense. Empathize. You can understand what people feel, what it's like to feel ostracized by a group of people for a bunch of different things. You may not feel it in the exact same way. Nobody can truly empathize with any other person on the planet because you've never lived your entire life with all of their experiences. So what the, the question becomes is, okay, how do we decide whether or not that joke is okay to say? And it comes down to intention and yeah. in, in context. So if your intention is malicious, because I could make a, a, a malicious intended joke. They exist by the thousands where people are saying like mean things about that thing. And they're really intended to hurt that person. That's, that's a bad joke. Yeah. 
if you are saying a joke, but your intention is not to harm and you're, and it's truly, I mean, I'm talking sincerely not to offend, but to just get a rise. And I can't even say not to offend because sometimes like the joke might be like to play with the offense, to play right. with the offensive thing. But even Jesus then, the, the intention is not malicious. You're not going out to hurt anybody or to bring them down. And that's, that is where logic is. And that's where logic creates that bridge between, I guess, truth and emotion. As it goes, how do we figure yes. out which one's which? And logic is what gets you there. It's saying, it's saying this person, I, I always give the argument of, uh, if I'm in a, in, in a mall in the States and there's a shooting going on and I grab a gun and I try to shoot the, shoot the guy that has the gun. Uh-huh. Uh, and I miss and I hit a eight year old little girl and kill her. Am I a vicious child murderer? Because a, a vicious no. child murderer would shoot an eight year old little girl. Yeah. But I had no intentions to do that. Right. Now, is that to say that guns aren't dangerous? no. But the Your intention intent wasn't does, to kill. yeah. The Your intent, intent was to do something good. The intention's the only way you can make a determination of what a person will do next. So uh, Sam Harris had said that in his book about I can't remember exactly what which one was. I think it was the Moral Landscape about how if I'm holding a knife and I turn around and I accidentally stab my girlfriend with the knife because I just like carelessly turned around and I accidentally hit her. That would suck. And she gets hurt. If I swing at her to try to hurt her, and I cut her, the same cut, the same depth, the same amount of pain, but I swung at her in anger. Yeah. Versus I turned around and hit her accidentally. Makes all the difference. One's a, yeah, it's, it makes one's... an astronomical difference. And I feel yeah. like in the, this world, we we've lost that a lot. It's like, we just look at the end result and go, well, it's probably the worst possible scenario. So you're now responsible for that act. I was talking about this, like with a friend last night, like about the idea of like cancel, cancel culture. Like, can I, can some... I get one beer really quick? Yes, actually I'm going to get another drink too. Okay. We're supposed to do that. So I, and I'm going to mention this with you specifically, because I know you listen to Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and I've gone down a Joe Rogan rabbit hole. Like I've just been, which there's nothing, there's nothing to be ashamed about it. Nothing. But, and I didn't know that, but, but. <laughs> Joe Raven says some so, dumbass things and has some dumbass opinions. But so he also this has is a the lot thing. of non-dumbass opinions. Exactly. So I didn't know about like his dumb opinions. Yeah. And I, like, I've been posting on Instagram, just like Joe Rogan clips and stuff. And mm-hmm. then like, I had a friend message me be like, hope you're not a fence now. Like. A, f- a what? A femme cell, like a like a, oh, a female, like. I hope like, you're not part of that group that I can now write off your opinion because I've taken one uh, word and I use it to discredit you. But like I, I was watching and listening to a lot of Joe Rogan and like loving it, and I had no idea that like he had said these like controversial things, and I just realized that I'm not someone who's so immediate to like cancel somebody. Yeah, nor should and, you. But be. some people are. Some people literally will hear one bad thing about a person or a company and just be done just write them off completely for the rest of time well yeah i mean we don't have nuance any anymore i mean i can speak to that 
so intimately for so many reasons, um, just on physical appearance alone. Okay. So, uh, right now I got the, 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 the fucking, I'm just, I'm white guy central. Okay. A lot of people would go, yeah, he would think this about like the things that I say, but I had this, I've been fat and I've had long hair. I've had shoulder length hair. Uh, when I noticed, so when I was 19, I had hair down to here and I noticed when I had long hair and kind of looked like a surfer, like hippie, kind of like skateboardy guy, wearing the same clothes, wearing the same, like, like, like I was in shape back then. So I'd wear like a nice, like a shirt that showed it off, smoke it if you got them kind of thing. I was 19, right? And I'd have long hair and I'd be my goofy, loud, obnoxious fucking self. And I've toned down a lot <laughs> in my older age than I used yeah. to be. Um, but when I was, when I was, when I was, had long hair, uh, people were a lot more accepting of me versus when I got a fucking crew cut or whatever and a, and a, and a short haircut and then in the exact same clothing, the exact same personality, the exact same, I mean, I literally noticed it the day I got my haircut was that like, you know, I'd go to a party at our student res and I'd be loud ball busting Scott and people would be laughing. <laughs> He's a crazy goofy guy. Then I did it with this hair and people were like, Oh, that guy's kind of like a bro. Like he, he must think he's the shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been fat and then I've been in shape. I've been in like really good shape and I've been in really bad shape. Uh, I've felt that difference of the way people treat you when you're out of shape versus when you're in shape. Right. Um, when I was uh, working at the mall, uh, I have good posture and, and like, I, it's almost exaggerated posture. A lot of people say I puff out my chest and I, and I, and I look like I'm like, like, I, like I strut and I don't mean to strut. That's just how I fucking walk. It's just the way that the thing I do. And, um, one of the girls that worked at the cell phone booth around the corner from me, she used to come out and hang out with us whenever it was slow. Uh, she had said, she saw me at the at the mall with my kids one day and I got these adorable two-year-old twin boys and I'm I'm going, all right, we're going on to the escalator. One, two, three, jump. And we spent like 10 minutes going up and down the escalator. Next day, she comes over and she's like, oh my God, I saw you here with your kids the other day. And, you know, it's funny. I see you at the mall, like, when you're regularly like just walking around and you kind of like walk around, like you think you own the place. But then I saw you with your kids and I was like, Oh, he's actually kind of sweet. And it's like, what do you mean? I think I own the place, but people see you and they go, we want to be able to understand the world. Uh So how do you understand the world in a better way than by simplifying everything so what you can do is you can look at someone like joe rogan who has a fucking sleeve and is jacked (laughs) and is an mma fighter and who talks to people like fucking ben shapiro and stuff and you can go right wing fucking asshole blah 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 but it's like joe rogan's a lefty he's a lefty he's very much a lefty 
he's just like most left-leaning centrists these days who are upset about the far left as much as they are about the far right. Yeah. Quite honestly, the far left is more dangerous right now because I don't think many people take the far right that seriously. We all know that those like those Trump support, if all the people who are left leaning voted, Trump wouldn't have made it in. But a lot of people who are left leaning are apathetic because, you know, this whole system doesn't, it has a lot of fucking issues that we don't believe in. And it looks like the game's rigged, which it is. Right. And so they yeah. go, they have apathy and they go, fuck, what's the point in voting? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so then they, but guess who isn't like that? The fucking crazy right wingers. And they yeah. are going to be like, we're going out. They don't trust the government, but God damn it. I'll vote for that guy who's running for president because he tells it like it is when he just talks like a fucking dismissive asshole on the right side. So it's, it's easy to write people off. Like I had a conversation with this guy about the Colin Kaepernick, uh, Neil, I think we talked about this actually. Oh yeah. It's funny because Vaughn gave me shit about that because, and again, Vaughn wrote off my fucking entire opinion because I had an irrelevant detail fucked up when I talked about Kaepernick on the podcast the last time I had said it was about uh, racism in America when it was police brutality or whatever the fuck it was. He completely irrelevant to (laughs) what I was saying, which was this guy was saying, fuck that guy. He should stand My, my, I served in Iraq and one of my best friends died in my fucking arms for that flag. This is a guy who was born in a family and circumstances that led him to think that joining the military was a noble cause. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like support the troops, don't support the generals so much. Right. It's like I do support those people because they literally, again, with their intention, many of them are going out there doing what they think is right, even if what they think is wrong, like, even if, if, if they think it's wrong, they still think it's right. So, you know, this guy, he went out and his, his buddy died in his fucking arms. And he's like, he, and he died for that flag. And by God, if you don't stand for that flag, you're spitting in the face of my friend. And I was like, well, look, man, I was like, take it on the other hand. This guy is just a guy minding his own fucking business. And he's living in this country and he has police pulling him over and his friends over and harassing yeah. them, doing street checks and giving him shit just because, and because he's black, you know, literally, I mean, a lot of the time it's no other reason. And, and, and he's, he's, he feels like he's in his own country. He feels like he's unwanted. So mm-hmm. he's kneeling against that. Now, when I first started talking to this guy, my friend Courtney was there and she was like, she said, when she, he started saying that, she was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be bad. Scott's going to fucking get into it with this guy. And then what ended up happening, because instead of me saying, fuck you, you dirty racist piece of shit, how fucking dare you? I tried to literally calmly give him some perspective on the other side of things. And we got somewhere. He still right. thought, he's, at the end of the day, he still thought, 
he should be standing for the flag. And can you fucking blame him? He was, he, he yeah. grew up like, like, like patriotism is taught. Yes. It's taught. If I have my kids and I teach them that the fucking lampshade is God, <laughs> they're going to believe that the lampshade is God, God. because we're yeah. a product of our environment. The people Absolutely. that keep us comfortable, the people that feed us, that love us, that give us good things, we trust those people. And if those people instill bad ideas into your fucking head, guess what? You're going to believe those bad ideas. And how do you get those bad ideas out of somebody's head? Do you ostracize them and push them away and say you're a piece of shit and you should know better how should they know better if they've never been exposed to better so what do you do when you see someone like that you expose them to better and you do it calmly and slowly with empathy and understanding that this person didn't have all the advantages that you have that led you to your uh uh Better opinion on things, yeah. right? Daryl Davis, the black guy that converted over 200 KKK members, they were KKK members. They wanted yeah. him dead. They thought that he should go back to Africa. He, he, did he fucking say, fuck you guys, you should all burn in hell? No, he sat down and had a conversation with them. And sometimes yeah. that conversation took years, but he, he converted, he converted like, like grand dragons, like people that were the, the I don't know if it's the, that, that, that terminology is right, but he converted people who were like the leaders of different KKK sets. And that has an, that has an exponential effect. He didn't yeah. just convert one person. He converted one person who's a father, who's going to yeah. have kids and expose his new right. ideas to his children, who will expose their new ideas to their friends and their children and their co-workers. So all of our actions, they have this exponential influence on the rest of the world. And, and that's the same true as doing something the right way as it is doing the wrong. And I feel like when you're like Joe Rogan, he's, yeah, he talks to people on the right. He talks to Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is an ass and a troll on a lot of topics, but he's also not totally wrong on some topics too. Well, this like, is it. Every, like, like most people are fucking dumb in some way. And like too, it's like I do think that there's levels, but people can be people can do terrible things or think terrible things, but still have good points. Or make, like, good things. Yeah. Like, use Woody Allen. Like, some people still enjoy Woody Allen movies. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they support him, all the shitty things he's done. <laughs> yeah, fucking it. You know? <laughs> I don't even know what happened. I read up on that one. Like, he married like, his daughter? <laughs> yeah, a daughter-in-law, right? Oh, was it a daughter-in-law it was a daughter or adopted? daughter-in-law. Was it an adopted daughter? Uh, no, I think it was a daughter-in-law. I thought it was, like, he had a... I, I mean, we could probably fucking Wikipedia pretty quick. It's irrelevant. It was. It wasn't by blood. It so. wasn't. It wasn't by but blood. Regardless, that's fucked up. It's she still was fucked 12 up. Twelve or something like that, or yeah. fourteen or something like that. When and yeah, obviously, but that's people bad. are still allowed to enjoy Woody Allen movies and appreciate that Woody Allen movie yeah. for whatever it meant to them because it clearly affected them. If he like, says the boiling point of water is a hundred degrees Celsius, he's still right about that. If he says the freezing point of water is zero degrees Celsius, he's still right about that. 
So even though, and again, like, so there's a really good book that I highly recommend again to another guy who's just been bastardized by these type of people who hear one thing and then immediately peg you as the demon. And that's right. Sam Harris. And it happened when he was on fucking Bill Maher with Ben Affleck, who tried to tell him he was Islamophobic because... Um, that Sam Harris was Islamophobic? Or yeah, ben- Sam Harris is Islamophobic. Ben, ben Affleck uh, basically would have heard... The, the reason that it started was um, Sam Harris was having a thought experiment and in a philosophical thought experiment, you'll do things, you may discuss things that are uh, horrifically wrong. Like, is it morally right to eat babies? Uh-huh. Now, we may, uh, uh, no, you don't <laughs> eat a baby. But when you have the philosophical conversation about this, you actually pick apart each side and go, okay, well, the world's overpopulated and we want to make sure, like, you can actually... You just gave me a new debate subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a good one to have. That's actually a really good one. (laughs) I have to write that one down. (laughs) So one of them, one of the conversations that he had discussed on a podcast or maybe in an article that he had written was that if somewhere in, uh, in, let's say, Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or whatever, some Middle Eastern country, you could say fucking take any country, take your pick. But this particular one was about... uh, I can't remember exactly what country it was, but there was a push for getting nuclear arms. And there's a lot of fanatics in the country that if they fell into the wrong hands, they may decide to make it a, nu- uh, a nuclear strike against America. And they were having the question, or he was discussing the question, is there, is it, would it be moral for the United States to have a nuclear first strike against uh, another country. And it was a Muslim, predominantly Muslim country in this particular question. Uh, That got, and and he said yes, basically, because- Sam Harris said yes? uh, Yeah, if it was like, let's say ISIS got a nuke, a hold Uh of a nuke, and they were going, and there was like, without a doubt question, they, they knew beyond all reasonable doubt that a nuclear strike was going to be planned against states and- they had to find a way to, to, would it be, would it be moral for the United States to make the, the, and he was saying like, we're living in a world, just take Russia, take China and all the tensions that are happening globally right now. If one, if we find out Intel, that says that there's a strong possibility that one of these countries is going to implement a nuclear strike against North America. Do we not, like there's a moral obligation. Is there a moral obligation to be the first actor of a nuclear strike to stop someone else from doing it? And it's, right. a, it's a philosophical question. Yes. And so he got picked apart. In, uh, uh, so Sam Harris was saying, yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, he was saying, yeah. he was saying, well, what is a country supposed to do other than to try to protect their people? And if you look at the morality, I mean, it's not, he's not saying, Oh, America is ultimately innocent in anything. He's not, but um, he also has this philosophical experiment of, uh, or thought experiment of the perfect weapon. And this is back during Osama bin Laden and versus George W. Bush. And he was saying, imagine the perfect weapon. A perfect weapon is like a bullet. It's fired from a gun and it always hits its target. 
we can rest assured that the American government, we can probably say that they would fire that weapon and it would only kill the people they intended to kill. And you wouldn't have collateral damage blowing up fucking schools and hospitals and shit like that. The same cannot be said about Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, if they had the perfect weapon, would enact a 9-11 again. Right. America, it's, it's unlikely. And now again, you can weigh that against the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, stuff like that, where America torpedoed their own fucking uh, uh, cruiser or whatever in, the, in, in, the, in Vietnam as a precedent to go to Vietnam. Um, there's, there's things like that. But anyways, uh, Sam Harris, where was it going? In his book was uh, talking about Uday Hussein, who's Saddam Hussein's son. And Saddam Hussein's son was a fucking sociopath, psychopath in like the biggest degree. He would see a wedding procession come out and he'd, 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 his gang would like rape fucking guests and the bride and kill the groom. And they were like absolutely psychotic, like horrible fucking people. And what he said in this is, is, is and his, his thing was about free will, was when Uday Hussein was born, he was a baby who, a baby's like an innocent, clean slate. And they're taught by their parents how to act morally in the world. Well, Saddam Hussein used to take his three-year-old son. Now, I don't know, I got all the details and specifics right about this, but he would take his child into the rooms where he was torturing political prisoners and killing them. And they'd laugh while they cut off people's fucking fingernails. If you're a three-year-old kid, an innocent child, and you get exposed to that and you see your father laughing about it, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. There's no way that doesn't affect you. If he has that, he also has money, like crazy money that he can do whatever he wants because his father runs the whole goddamn place and encourages him to torture these people. Hey, stab him in the kidneys, you know, like four-year-old child, eight-year-old child, 16-year-old son. Go do these things. Yeah. When did that kid go from innocent child who's the product of unfortunate circumstances to he should know better? Right. If you're raised in an, and, and like, that's an extreme case. Very extreme. Now take it down to, you know, I think the fucking moon landing's a hoax, Right. You can write that person off as a complete asshole, or you can kind of go, or, you know, we'll go back to the Colin Kaepernick thing. You're not taking a knee. You're raised and you're raised in the place where, you know, you're fucking, you say the Pledge of Allegiance every goddamn morning and you're a proud American because that shit's been driven into your fucking head and you're told this is what you do. I, I, when I was in grade seven, I had a conversation. I remember saying to my science teacher, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. When I was having a conversation about whether or not homosexuality was right. <laughs> now, if I hear somebody say that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell that person. I'll, I'll have a fucking rant ready for that person to explain why they're an ass for holding that opinion. But I was raised in an environment where the people that raised me thought that. And guess what? The people that raised me who thought that, they don't think like that anymore either. 
because they were but some people don't to some people don't get ideas. that some people don't get um some it's, people it's, don't get the opportunity to get there right like doc shepherd was talking about it on his podcast or no sorry it was on whitney cummins podcast but he was a guest on it hmm. and he was he's been known to like just say his opinions that might be considered unpopular like yourself um and he was saying that like he even sort of relates to the covid protesters like the people who are sure. protesting and he said the reason why i relate is those people clearly grew up like with parents that lied to them yeah their parents lied to them their whole lives they've always questioned everything they don't know what to believe but you know what's easier to just go black white they're evil they're yeah. stupid it's easier it's, it's more comfortable not to consider that the person is a fucking human being that had people are the way they are people are like people are the way they are for a reason this is yeah. all i've always believed this there's always even if you know even if you think about the shooter who the most recent shooting here in nova scotia like something happened there well look at there's um, something something going on there what was his name i can't remember his name i usually remember his goddamn name uh but he's the guy that shot up Kent State University. Is it Kent State University? Some university down in the States um, when he was, it was back in like the 60s or something like that. And he went up a bell tower with a sniper oh, yes, rifle okay. and started yeah. shooting at people. Yeah. Um, he wrote a suicide note after, before he killed his wife and kid and then went and shot down however many fucking people from this bell tower. Uh, yeah. He wrote um, his his that he was he didn't understand where these thoughts of rage were coming from. Yeah, and but he couldn't prevent them. They were they were taking couldn't over. contain them. Yeah, he's like I need you guys to look at my brain and for medical research. And guess what they discovered? He had a golf ball sized tumor pushing against his amygdala, which is part of the brain that it's either the emotional response or I believe it might have something to do with aggression. So oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah again, yeah, yeah. like Dr. Penfield, I smell burnt toast. There's no toast burning. And All he, he had the, put a fucking thing on You're a product of your environment. Like I, yeah, I don't believe in free will in so far as well, scientifically it doesn't exist. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, Phyllis, I guess if they... Interesting. I wouldn't take you to not believe in that. Uh, I act as if I do. I live my life every day as if I do. Um, I believe it's probably the right way is to believe in free will. Uh, but scientifically, it doesn't make sense. Can, um, can, can you break that down? Like, what do you mean it doesn't okay, make sense? Okay, here. Let me... I can basically prove it right now. Again, it's hard for people to agree with this, but name a celebrity. Mm, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Okay. Why Ben Affleck? I had him pulled up in the Google search right here beside me. Why did you have him? But but why? You just mentioned Dak Shepard. And you're a big Taylor Swift fan. And you because- know hundreds of other celebrities. But you came up with one. Okay. Well, it's well, mostly because I looked over. I'll give you that. Okay. Name a fruit banana why not apple why not grape why not orange why not one of the other bunch of different different fruits that you know of 
so things just it, it, yeah actually what was i gonna say with meditation they tell you to like think about the fact that you're you sit down and stand up like we don't we don't always think mm-hmm. about when we sit down stand up and if we try to like there's no way we'll get all of them in a day because we're just so yeah well i mean we're always try meditating for fight for fucking 15 minutes you yeah. all you're going is going don't think of anything don't think of anything don't think of anything and next thing you know you're thinking about the fucking ah shit I got to flip the laundry and then you're off on this diatribe that you didn't even know you didn't even want to have. Cause all you've been doing is try to focus on not thinking about anything. It's because, right. and they've done studies on this, which is, and again, this is in uh, the book that I had mentioned earlier uh, in Sam Harris's um, it's called waking up. Yes. I actually have the app. I, uh, well, that's literally, his, that's his, I literally ha- I have a free month of the app. I'm going to try it. Yeah. So Waking Up, he has an app, he has a podcast called Waking Up, but he has a book called Waking Up, and you can actually get it all on YouTube, uh, ah. the whole audio book, you can get it on Audible, I'd say go on Audible and pay the money because the guy's a fucking genius, he's he really is, yeah. so fucking smart, I hate the amount of flack that he's been getting because he's, he's, again, he's a lefty who's been attacked by leftists, um, but uh but yeah, the you can't you can't attest for why you chose a banana. It just it was just it just, it just came it just came, came yeah, out. yeah yeah. And so what they have done is they did these tests where let's say they and again I'm simplifying it because I don't know the specifics so mm-hmm. we're going to paraphrase here. But essentially they said choose triangle, circle, square, and they had a person's. Uh, brain monitored by whatever fucking equipment that I, again, dumb guy who listens to smart people, doesn't know all the details, but you know, listens to it enough that he can understand. Um, Brain sucked up, they're monitoring the brain activity and they say, choose triangle, circle, square, triangle, circle, square. They keep giving them the same fucking response. And then they go, okay, when they're saying triangle, this part comes up. Or, or shows activity when they say circle this one. And so they have all this done on a chart. And what they did is they took people who didn't know the answers, look at the, at the reading of the activity and they were able to predict when he was going to say triangle, when he really? was going to say circle, when he was going to say square. And that part of the brain activity that they were monitoring was part of the unconscious brain. And that unconscious part of the brain uh, flips a switch or activates a few nanoseconds before the conscious part of the brain does. It's like word association. So essentially the conclusion of it is, is our conscious self is downstream from unconscious processes that are occurring in our brain. Yeah. So, and, and like, it's a crazy interesting book. He talks about, uh, split brain patients who have their corpus callosum sliced so that it's the part that connects both hemispheres Mm -hmm. and one of your hemispheres controls your, your mobile movement and one of your hemispheres controls your speech. And so they would ask you, what do you want to be? What's, what would be your dream profession? Write it down. And they would, they cover their hand, write it down. 
And then they would say, say it out loud. And that person would say out loud, race car driver. But then written down on the page was carpenter. Interesting. So the same brain, the same person, but two hemispheres responding differently. And that was a question of whether or not it was um, it, 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 uh, moral to do a hysterectomy, or not a hysterectomy, a uh, uh, hemispherectomy or something like that, where you actually, because some people get cluster migraines or something like that, or a certain type of seizure, where yep. the, where slicing, I think it's the corpus callosum, um, will will prevent those seizures from happening. Or sometimes you remove the entire one side of a brain. It's, I think it's called a hemispherectomy. Okay. Um, and they were, he was kind of saying like, is that as a hemispherectomy murder, considering that this hemisphere said carpenter and this one said race right. car driver. It's like a total different yeah. part of yourself. Really, really interesting, cool book. Def- and it goes deep into like, I mean, the guy's a neuroscientist first. Yeah, but he's also yeah. spent six month retreats out in the middle of nowhere by himself doing meditation things a lot of people say he's a shill for buddhism because he has so much um he, he kind of like promotes meditation so much yes but he he uh he doesn't believe you know that buddha was born out of a slip in the side of his mother's stomach which is what the buddha story is like there's there's a creation or a or an immaculate Uh, conception story in Buddhism as well. He doesn't believe in that. He's just, it's a a guide to spirituality without religion or a scientific guide to spirituality or something like that. It's the subtitle of the book. So really cool stuff. Have you ever done hallucinogens? All kinds. Great. Because that's another rabbit hole I've been going down lately. Have you been doing them or just reading up? reading up about them like dmt and ayahuasca i haven't done that. either of those i've done lsd i've done uh uh mdma and 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 mushrooms i do mushrooms every six months to a year like once would a you year. ever do would you ever do one of those intenser ones like ayahuasca or i'd love to i just DMT? i'm just afraid of getting it from an untrustable source i mean i right. really, have you have you read up about it like the crazy oh, i i watched the old joe rogan clip where he talks about it on that yeah uh, that radio show and they're like man i'm a student of joe rogan right now and he explains all of that and i talked about it a lot and i've listened to terrence mckenna and I've listened to all kinds of these guys talk about it. I have friends that have done it. Really? Friends that have done it. Um, and I mean, I really want to do those ones just to, I, again, it, you have to do these things cautiously. Absolutely. I'll say this. Everybody in the world, it's an offense to, it's an offense to a, a conscious being to not experience altered states of consciousness. Everybody should do, I would say mushrooms. Um, Absolutely. A hundred thousand percent. You should do it. Why, why do you think that? Because one, uh, it helps destroy your ego. 
which is apparently really good for depression and anxiety. It is. It's also a bad thing. There's also a lot of bad to destroying your ego. Like you can go too far. Uh, Again, I recommend these things as like, I would say quarterly would be the most I would recommend it, but I've also microdosed for a number of weeks and I've noticed the benefits of microdosing where you take like 0.5 milligrams of mushrooms every yeah. morning and I've gone to work doing my sales job. And what is it? Was it, what is it? Um, do nothing, the micro- uh, nothing, nothing hallucinogenic. No, you get a, it's a level of focus. It's almost like cocaine energy, but mental clarity and and just like i mean i was like talking to business owners and usually do cold calling when you're talking to a business owner and you're just i'm just fucking me right i'm just some i'm just jerk off comedian scott who who doesn't own a multi-million dollar fucking company i'm going up to these guys and i'm not like usually it's an intimidating experience because it's like you're like prying to find out like, how can I sell you shit? And you feel like that person knows what you're doing. And it feels really, you got to get over that uncomfortability when you do sales. I had none of it, none of it going in, going in. And and not only like, usually you're kind of like, Oh, I hope he gives me information on this. And I was driving the conversation. So there was like a level of confidence I had no anxiety. Um, I was, it was, now it only happened a couple times because I haven't been able to get the exact measurements, but microdosing is one good thing. I I definitely recommend, but I'm talking like uh, four grams of mushrooms, again, in a controlled environment. So where I recommend doing them is with close close non-judgmental friends uh people that you you could shit your pants in front of and not be embarrassed well that makes me nervous so that's what i mean and you can't i i i I caution against doing it inside oh interesting now if you want to come up to pei with me in the summer and do it on a (laughs) fucking beach where I, it's insane. It's best. I do it. I honestly, I do it annually on the beach in PEI because it's 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 hard. I mean, it, you can't explain it, but it okay. is it is offensive to a living, conscious individual to not give yourself that opportunity to. It's to fascinating feel that. because I've never been open to it ever. Mm-hmm. It's always terrified me. Brief for madness, and for some reason, since quarantine and maybe it's quarantine plus andrew dying plus like it's probably a combination of everything but being alone in here and going crazy and and then hearing about dmt and what people have experienced on and how there's all these common threads through the trips that people talk about like the waiting room and the entities that you see and how it's this feeling of like Mm -hmm. i'm just letting go and this is all happening and i have no control and i'm just gonna let it happen and also, like, everyone talks about comfort. It's, like, comforting. Yeah. It's making me so much more curious about things like mushrooms. Don't know if I'd ever do DMT, but I'm 
way more fascinated and open to the idea now than ever before. And it's crazy because if you would have asked me this over a month ago, I would have just been like, nope, not interested. Yeah. Scares me. Don't want to do it. Um, but I've heard that hallucinogens and DMT and things like this, like make you less afraid of death. And oh, that yeah. is the main appeal to me. So, to be honest. okay. So I'll say this first off and, there will be people who disagree with me on this. Those people are 110% wrong. You do not do it in your fucking apartment the first time. And that's because you are surrounded by unnatural laws. You are surrounded by straight lines and right angles. And that's not how the world exists outside of your apartment. We don't have rigid things. Cell phones videos like this uh you can do them and i mean you mean mushrooms right like mushrooms. DMT, I'm, I'm not, I, I, can't like, talk to, I can't talk about dmt because i've never done it dmt because i feel like most dmt people they do it in their homes yeah well you'd sit there and then you trip out on the couch and 15 yeah. minutes later you're fucking back or 20 minutes later you're back but uh uh mushrooms which is much more accessible uh and at least in my experience and understanding much more safe because it's not like a big but aren't you moving around on mushrooms like aren't you running around walking around you're spending six hours at least but do you know like when you're on them like do you know where you're like do you see the real world oh yeah like okay hmm like i'm fascinated by this because it used to terrify me but mushrooms is i'm trying to my brother explained it really well it's like it's so you know how a child you hand a child the fucking pine cone and they're blown away they're like oh my god yeah what is this and they feel the pine cone (laughs) and they're like oh my god it feels like that well the child feels like that because it's experiencing a pine cone for the first time okay you are a child experiencing things for the first kind for the first time but you're starting from now yeah. You're starting from someone that knows you don't stick a fucking knife in your throat. A baby doesn't know that. A baby has to be told, don't lick the knife or you'll cut your tongue. You know that. You, your hallucinations aren't, you're not going to see a fucking, a, an elf jump onto the desk and run across. I mean, highly unlikely. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you, and, 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 the way I described it the last time was it's a sense of familiarity with the universe and a connectivity to it as if you're like, whoa, like it's almost like I've been here before, but not necessarily that you've been here before. It's just like you realize that you've always been a part of it. Yes. That's um, what people say about DMT too, but DMT is obviously way more like well, DMT, you're, in a, you're gone. You're, you're outside, in another universe. You're in another dimension. But yeah. mushrooms, it's like you're at the beach. But now when you see the waves, usually you see the waves and you're like, oh, that's kind of pretty. I like the sunset. Now you're feeling 
the world breathe. You're feeling the right. night move. You're so interesting. And and, I, and I'm telling you, like I'm. I mean, I would recommend coming to PEI with me anyway. Even okay. If you don't do mushrooms at PEI. Well, I mean, I I would feel safe with you, and you I get nervous. I get safe with me and my I, friends. I mean, I won't lie. I get nervous when I do any type of drugs other than just smoking weed because I did edibles recently actually i've been kind of experimenting with edibles lately mm-hmm. and uh, i had half a cookie mm-hmm. and i don't do well on edibles i get my it's my heart my heart races yeah, i mean and, and i don't know and i don't know what it is like if my heart didn't race and if i could just feel that like relaxed body high without feeling like i was about to have a heart attack i think i would enjoy it more yeah. So that's why I'm nervous to try any type of drugs. Well, I get, and again, like, okay, when you're drunk, do you feel like you're stoned? No. No, because it's not the same thing. And it doesn't affect you in the same way. Yeah. Um, one thing, so I did, I did mushrooms twice this summer. And the first time I had that nervousness, I always, there's always like a, how's this one going to go? But I've never yeah. really had a terrible trip. I did, I've had bad trips on mushrooms. I'm not going to lie. Um, but they were, they were because of being in uncomfortable, unfamiliar situations. Like right. I was, I went to the Ozzy Floyd show at the at the uh, Metro Center, and I had to give a ticket to <laughs> a security officer, and before they would let me into the show. Uh, that doesn't make sense. That's not the law of nature. To hand a piece of paper that says I'm okay to be in here. It's like, why can't I just come in here? And now you're going <laughs> to hold a flashlight. You didn't get a ticket? Unnat- no, no, no. I, I, had the t- I was just like really nervous because I knew I was doing something that's wrong. And I was standing in line in public and I didn't want anybody to know. And I was freaking out. And it was cold and I was shivering. It was a really uncomfortable time. And I was like nervous. And then, and then I was listening to my friends speak and I was just like, Oh God, I wish I was warm. And then I just closed my (laughs) eyes. And then I was like, Oh, I feel so comfortable right now. And I spread my arms out and I was like, ah, and then I went, wait, why am I, why are my arms light out? Why am I? And then I opened my eyes and I was lying on the ground outside the Metro Center in line. Oh There's a hundred people in line. <laughs> I'm lying in line. And my buddy goes, dude, it's December like 14th. He's like, dude, get up. And I go, I just wanted to see what you guys would do if I, if I fell down on the ground like that. And they're like, oh, shit. We gotta- this was on mushrooms? Yeah. And then they were oh like, we got to calm him down. So they took me over to... Scotia Square or Parade Square to smoke a joint with me. I couldn't feel up, down, left, or right. Like if I was looking at my feet while I was walking, it felt like I was walking towards my feet. Dear God. If I was lying on the ground or leaning against a wall, it felt the same. But I did that shit in the wrong environment. Now, once I got to my seat and had a cigarette (laughs) between my legs on the floor of the Metro Center, I lit a smoke and was smoking it between my legs so nobody would see. Um, once the music started playing, my face hurt by the end of the night because I had a big goofy smile on the whole fucking time. Oh, so I was just damn. listening to Pink Floyd. Now, but that's why I don't recommend doing it in 
an apartment in the city. A lot of people treat what, it like a party it, trip. Yeah. Well, because because money doesn't make sense. Yeah. Money is time in a piece of paper that you give somebody and then they give you your time back to you in the form of a product. Okay. You go to work, you work fucking 15 bucks an hour. I worked an hour. How do they represent that? They give it to you on a piece of paper. Yeah. And then you take that piece of paper and you give it to the shop and they give you a fucking chocolate bar. It's very, very abstract. But what does make sense is if I hit my hand, I feel the reaction of slapping my hand. If someone yells in my ear, I feel that. Those are natural laws. And mushrooms really tunes you into those natural laws. And it's when you're with people you're comfortable with, only people you're comfortable with. And, and I mean, I would say you'd be comfortable with my friends if you met my friends because my friends are like, I mean, I just think mentally I'm more open to, I think when you're resistant or nervous, it's going to affect the experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think now that I've, I've listened to so many accounts of it and I have that, I have a desperate desire to let go. Well, that's I don't one think, thing you should I, do. I don't think I've, I've actually relaxed since I've been born. Yeah. Truly. Truly. So, okay. One real cool experience was, was I was the first time I ever did it. And again, one of the most influential experiences of my life. I was lying on my back lawn and it was a beautiful, clear, starry night. And I was lying on my back looking up at the night sky on mushrooms? on mushrooms on I think we did three and a half or four grams uh or maybe it was two and a half the first time I can't remember I think it was three um I was looking up at the sky and I could almost like third person picture myself lying on the side of the planet oh my god because there's no up right it's just north yeah up is subjective up to me is down to somebody on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. You because the Earth is not flat. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I don't have to go into that. I don't want to have that conversation. But for anyone listening, yeah, just so you know, yeah. So, so up to me <laughs> is yeah. only up objectively to you, or sorry, yeah. subjectively to me. Objectively, there is no up because we don't because there's north or south. Those are bearings that are relative to the planet. So I had this feeling like I was lying against the earth and looking straight out as if I was leaned up against a wall. It's really hard to describe how you just feel like you're part of it. Right. This is is what I've heard. And that's that's what I've heard about it. That is not... Okay, it's it, apparently you can reach a state like that through intense meditation and yoga, certain types of yoga too, which is a form of meditation. Like it's yeah. like it's like, but again, we're talking. You're not going to do it doing a yoga video on YouTube. You're no. not going to do it doing yoga for 15 years. Like you're, it's. I feel like you need to have meditation 
as a practice in your life. To, I actually, I literally am going to start tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Yeah. So another yeah. one, Sam Harris has a good guided meditation. There's a short and a long, there's a 20 minute and a 40 minute version or something like that on his, uh, on his app. On, yeah. I have a free YouTube. month Yeah, on yeah. YouTube. Oh, is it on YouTube? Do you have I, headspace? Um, well, I have the waking up app. Okay. Okay. Which is, uh, it's like, they, they said it's an introductory course yeah. to, and actually, now, the important thing about cool. meditation is Vipinasa, or Vipinasa, I think is what it's called, um, which is mindfulness meditation. There's all kinds of hokey bullshit out there. There's all kinds of, feel the hammer. Vipinasa is awareness meditation. It's mm-hmm. sitting down, and it's recognizing, you have an itch on your nose, but it's like you, you're kind of like analyzing the itch and you're preventing yourself from reacting to the itch. So you're right. going, what is an itch? An itch is like typically a hot sensation. You, you feel this hot, almost like stinginess. But if you're just focusing on the fit, like you focus on the pressure points of your ass while you're sitting on the couch. Yeah, or yeah, you yeah. focus it, it, on all these different things, and and you don't react to them. That's vipassana, which is awareness meditation, and right. that's really what I find is the effective one because there's no woo woo in it. It's just yeah, exactly. It's just being in tune, and uh, it's fucking hard. It's very difficult. But I'm excited to try it though because I feel like now's the time to do it. Well, don't expect anything from it, but try it. Yeah, that's and then to... keep trying it and keep trying. I'll say this: meditation is one of the most important things a person can do, and I almost never do it. Oh, really? I never do it because <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I, I'm you, a distracted. You recognize the importance of it. Yeah, that's like working out and not drinking. I mean, I know I probably should do less of eating pizza, but fuck, it's good. So yeah. meditation is another one of those things where it's like I had a buddy say to me. Uh, I said, I feel like I never have time. He said, if you don't feel like you have the time to meditate, that's a reason you should meditate. Yeah. Because, very true. because you are chased out of your bed by your thoughts every morning. Ugh, your thoughts are, you're, you're constantly reacting to literally everything. How often do you get an itch and you don't itch it? You always itch it. Yeah. But you never just go, Hmm. I'm feeling this right now. Like, what am I feeling? Again, Sam Harris explains a lot of this shit in his book about how, like, you know, have you ever been in an angry conversation or something pissed you off? You were in a bad mm-hmm. mood, but mm-hmm. then let's say your boss calls you. Yeah. And now you're called to be on your best social, like, behavior. You have to, cha- you have to change it. Yeah. So you got to say, yeah. hey, how's it going? And then you're talking to this person and then they tell a joke and you laugh and you sincerely laugh at the joke because it yeah. was a funny joke. And you go, ha, ha, ha. And you feel better talking to that person. And then yeah. you hang up the phone. What do you do when you hang up the phone? You go back to being mad. Well, that Not going, always, though. Sometimes most it of If it's something that's really pissing you off, like it's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, we're snapped back into our life. Yeah. With, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a choice. Mm. And and happiness, quite honestly, is a choice. It is, and it, it it's hard right now. I mean, I'm I'm having a hard time with this uh, quarantine. Just uh, not having motivation. 
Oh, I, I've, I've, I'm feeling myself too. There's a lot of apathy. There's a lot of, uh, and I mean, I have it a thousand times better than you. I still have my job. I still get to drive out around in the truck. I still get yeah. to go out in my backyard. I have a fucking yard. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's giving me mo- more mental strength than ever because I have to, it's almost like being in, I hate saying this way because it's not the case, but survival mode in a weird mm-hmm. way. No, yeah. Because, sure. because I still have to make sure I go get those groceries and there's keep no... living, even though it doesn't feel like there's anything worth living for right now. Yeah. And like, like you're a, you have introverted tendencies but you're not an introvert not at all you're an extrovert and i'm an extrovert I'm, I'm too. such an extrovert and it's this is my hell yeah yeah this is my personal hell it's tough literally and it but again like and i hate this apartment hate I, it oh yeah but but again it's like so um it's like quitting smoking and stuff like that. Like I'm what? I'm almost five months now. Uh, oh, meditation helps with that. Not so much because I, I, I haven't meditated since I quit smoking, but understanding like the practice of not reacting when yeah. something grabs you is, is an important, uh, important way to deal with things. So like, it's like if you, if you have that thought of smoking and you hold on to that thought, you're buying a pack of smokes. You're fine. You're bumming a smoke off somebody. You're going to do what you do because you're grabbing onto that thought. But if you go, okay, that thought's entered my mind. I need to distract myself. I need to think about something else. And you do that for 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can conquer anything. That's what happened with me with, with, uh, after the, like the affair was, I would I feel like this a, affair was a huge thing for you. It was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me, which means I'm an incredibly lucky person. Um, but it was, yeah, it was fucked up. And, yeah. uh, and it caused a lot of, I mean, again, I bring it up because it's what I can use as a thing that significantly impacted my life day to day. Well, it's, it's not it's, something absolutely. I, I ha- since then I haven't had a whole lot that's, been too hard to recover from but with that it was hard to recover from absolutely and what i would do is whenever i would have that thought of you know like this shit happened if i hold on to that thought it's gonna go why did it happen that's not fair oh my god maybe it's my fault what if what if and then i'll drag myself into a spiral and i'll hold myself down in this pit of depression for three days but yeah. if I distract myself for 30 seconds and go, mm-hmm. fuck that, I'm not thinking about it, mm-hmm. then what I would do is I, I would, the thought would eventually leave my mind. I'd start singing a song. I'd put on a YouTube video about whatever else. I'd do something to distract myself from that thought. Is that healthy though? Incredibly healthy. Because... Or is it... You could still, again, it was after months of nothing but depth in the negativity of that thought. When I felt the negativity pull me down to the lowest places I've ever fucking been. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, and what you do is you recognize what it is that brings you there. And if you stop yourself, if you, if, and that's again, awareness meditation, you recognize that, which is the thing that like pulls you into that state, then you could prevent yourself from following that path. Question for you though. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to just decide to just decide mm-hmm. not to be in love with somebody? Okay. Uh, that is oversimplified. Yeah. But I will say this. The less you allow yourself to think about that person, mm-hmm. the easier it will become. Well, what if it's the less you think of that person as your idealized version of a partner that you want to have, and more so you're just like, this is this person that I know, but I'm going right. to be, I'm going to choose not to be in love with them anymore. I, I don't mean to hurt you, but I'm with Lauren. This has all been leading up to this moment. <laughs> Just straight up rejection on my own podcast. Thanks, Scott. No. Um, <laughs> um, I guess what I'm getting at is, is like. Oh, okay. Can you have so much control over your own thoughts and emotions to a point where you can just say, I'm done with you. Like I'm, I'm, I had these feelings and no more, like no, no more. The short answer is yes. Yeah, I the think... The long I, answer is it's fucking incredibly hard. Yeah. But, do you know what but happiness it's, it's is? thought control. It's thought control, right? Like... Let's see if I can find this. Do you know what happiness is? Happiness is acceptance. Acceptance. I think that that would be true, yeah. So, I wonder, where do you find your notes on Facebook? That's a good question. Facebook has changed so fucking much. Because I have an old note that I wrote. Here it is. Let's see if I can find it. My view on everything. What about the hit? Westboro Baptist Church. Happiness. All right. So here's something I wrote back in 2011. This is is your definition of happiness? Uh, Not my current definition. There may be, I haven't read this in like, well, that was made in 2011, so it's been nine years since I wrote this. And I was living, I didn't have kids before this. But a lot of this, I believe, I, I, I don't know, it'll be interesting to read this because I really- Can I make this, can, I, can we go live? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's what I wrote. No idea how long we've been recording because I can't see the time. Neither can I. But I don't know. It's been a good conversation for the most part. It's been awesome, I Scott. Been I always love talking to you. I know. This one's, this one definitely is like- the most serious of the I don't care though because I'm in that state lately I'm in the state of like I've just been I've been listening a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and talking less I find I'm I'm uh listening's great listening's really good listening hard to hard to do sometimes yeah it is and I mean I'm 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 a hard uh, for me it's incredibly hard because I got a lot to say and I have a fucking opinion on everything I'll give you this you know what you're really good at not interrupting people Am I? I would disagree. Mm, you're better than a lot of, I would say, male friends that I even consider close, close friends. That I'm like, 
I mean, I'll say it. Andrew Vaughn was bad for it. He would interrupt me all the time. I he didn't, feel... He probably didn't know he was doing it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's... You have to acknowledge that, the intent. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of males can talk over women a lot. And sure. you don't. Well, you, you, you really don't. Again, it's a thing I'm insecure about is I want to make sure sometimes I feel like when I do, I feel like I do interrupt a lot, but I feel like when I interrupt, it's relevant to the conversation because I yeah. feel like I maybe have a, I don't know. Like I hate, I hate, I hate saying nice things about myself, but I feel like I have an intuition to what people are about to say. Mm-hmm. And I and if somebody says you know that I'm wrong about what they were saying, then I'll fucking shut up and listen to that. And I and I am cognizant of of when I fuck up or when I'm I'm cognizant of every goddamn thing I do. Yeah, to a degree. Well, that's good. To a degree, I'm I don't possess. Uh, I feel like I don't know what to call it. Social intelligence. I don't. I don't think. That, I. I don't think that's true. I'm a little loud, and I say things that are a little out of left field. Like people would say, "Oh my god, did you really just say that?" And it's like, "Oh shit, I didn't. Should I not have said that?" <laughs> like tact. it's almost like a, that's tact. Yeah, you might you might lack some tact. That's a fun thing to say. But I don't like lack some tact. I also don't. I don't like it. The stuff that I'm. There is no should or shouldn't, mm. except for you shouldn't have malicious intention. You shouldn't be trying outwardly to do bad. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you didn't do, if you weren't trying to be a bad person, then you, you fucked up. If you tried to be a bad person, you did something wrong. But if you were, if you were foolishly stumbling into something and you did wrong, then you fucked up. Not right. you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know if that distinction makes sense. But anyways. Kind of, yeah. Let's read this happiness thing. This is written by me. Uh, and I already gave the punchline, or the, not the punchline, but the... Uh, it's funny. My sister commented, where did you get this? <laughs> On, oh, this is, oh, this is back in the days when you would do... Facebook notes. Well, yeah. I mean, I've people only will written, comment on them. I think I've only written four notes. One of them was free to fuck up. Um, and this one, it was back. What was it? I, I read something. Be the person you were before you started doubting yourself. Be the per- Okay. Be the person you were before you started doubting yourself. That would be or out of the womb. Before life made you so jaded or whatever. That would be. Know. So I need to act like a newborn baby. Because well, I have self doubt is my number one. Self doubt is my biggest challenge. But how are you supposed to not have it in a world where most people on social media, and again, this is so fucking cliche, but most people on social media are just projecting perfection? I would 100% agree. I'm actually working, I'm writing something. Um, that is called the the uh wow oh, what's the fucking title i was so proud of the title oh fuck well i call it being i call it being free to fuck up is allowing it's like going okay i may be wrong but like i want to be allowed to speak 
Because we're getting to a point in 1984 where we're only allowed to talk to our close friends, which is that little part in your apartment where you can write down your thoughts freely, where you're not being monitored, right? To your close friends. Well, your close friends are the people that you can speak freely to, right? Mm-hmm. Happiness, uh, definition of happiness, according to Scott McLean. Uh, circa 2011. Again, I haven't read this in a long time. That's not that long ago. That's nine years. I've changed a lot. This is oh, before, shit, it is. before I had fucking kids, okay? Before I knew this was written a month. This was m- written huh, before I met the mother of my children. One year before I met her. This is when I was living in Toronto, drinking and doing comedy and working at TELUS at the Toronto Eaton Center. All right. Very different the- guy. 20, 23 years old. All right. No. I want to I get to this. Okay. What is it? Happiness. This is, this is as it's written. It's titled Happiness in the first line. You are worthless. Nothing you do really matters. Nothing you say, even with the greatest conviction, is very relevant at all. Even if you're an important person, someone who has strong influence on a small group of people, or if your words can affect world change, you really don't mean a whole lot. Even if you make the biggest impact on the world and this entire generation, in the end, it won't mean anything. Not in the grand scheme of things. Your actions, as sincere and filled with good intentions as they may be, aren't going to stop the sun from exploding. It won't stop the world or the solar system from being burnt up in an uncontrollable mass of flaming energy. In the big picture, you won't mean a thing at all. Now. And you say you didn't do DMT? Now that you know all this, how are you going to be happy? How could you possibly smile knowing that everything you do isn't going to matter in the end? Well, the key is in just that. It doesn't matter. In the, fe- in the future, you'll be part of the past, but we're not there yet. And the past, well, the past is gone. Now, you can try to make better decisions. You can be more self-aware. You can make sure you never make the same mistakes again, but you can't change the past. So if we don't have the future and we don't have the past, then all we have is the present, obviously. That's not much of a revelation. But what is the present? What is the present? Today? Well, if we want to be that broad, then sure. But you don't experience 24 hours all at once. The only thing you actually have is right now. And that's gone now, too. But right (laughs) now is here. Well, it was. But as soon as something happens, it becomes the past. We're We're influenced by the past, and we hope for a better future, But what about right now? If everything is going so badly, how can we ever be happy? Well, you simply be happy. It's a decision you make. In spite of everything that is going on, you can still do it. No matter how bad things have been or how bad they are right now, it's just a switch you have to flick. You just have to recognize that this moment is all you have. It's the only thing you can control. Recognize that all you are is a giant conglomerate of living cells, a synchronized series of chemical reactions that combine to make the conscious being that is you. 
a machine that reacts to and whose physical well-being is influenced by emotions. And your two choices are to be happy or sad. I assume that feeling happy feels better to you. So if you have control over this machine's ability to feel good or bad, then happiness should be your top priority. Now, holy not, fuck, how long is this? It's note? only it's only it's only another paragraph. It's not always easy. You're you. You've been you your entire life and you're going to be you until you die. But if you can accept that all you have is yourself and recognize that happiness is what makes you feel good, then how can you ever be sad? Bad things will happen and regrets will infiltrate your well-being. But if you can remember that how you feel is controlled by you and accept that you is all you have, then you can make yourself happy whenever you want. There is no pursuit of happiness. There's only happiness. So what is happiness? Acceptance. Mm -hmm. Not worded as I would write it today. Again, this goes back to my question that I asked earlier, which is, can you just choose to be a certain emotion? Hey, Sarah, Sarah. I find that very hard. Oh, it's not easy, but it's possible. I do agree with um, whatever will be, will be. I do agree with that. And whatever has been, has been, and you cannot change it. You So essentially what I was saying in this long rant, I used to rant forever, I still do, but back then it was much worse. To sum that up is the future's not here yet. You can't control that. The past is gone. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel right now. And that's a reaction to things. So Vaughn dies, okay? Mm -hmm. It's sad. It feels shitty. Oh my God, my friend is gone. I wish he didn't die. I wish I would have done something. I wish, personally, Scott McLean, 2020, I wish that I would have fucking pushed harder to get him to work out and eat healthy. I wish I told him to go to the fucking hospital when he said he was having chest pains. Exactly. Literally, literally hours before he died. And you can hear hours. your voice breaking. Hours before. You can hear your voice breaking right now at that regret of something that exists in the past that you can't control. Mm-hmm. But what can you control right now? No. You can't control back then. Jesus, and you don't know what the to- fuck's about to happen. So you just got to deal with right here, right now. And that's the only thing that you have. And you only have it for a second and it's gone. So you just try to go, like, uh, again, objectively look at things and go, what can I do to make things okay? It's, it, you just take a deep breath. Yeah. And, but it is it is harder in, during these times because – it's, hard it's every second it's of every layered day. depression because it's not just i was depressed before this okay and then friend dies add that on mm-hmm. quarantine happens add that on i lose my job add that on like it is heightened right now at for everybody but the absolute worst thing you can do is dwell on all of those facts again absolutely this is all circling back this is all circling back to what i said at the first, when trauma visits you, when, when negative things happen in your life, the response is, now what? Now what? Because that's done. You can't now do what? that. You can't change that. You mm-hmm. have lost your job. Your best friend or your good friend, whatever, has died. You yeah. are in quarantine. Shit's really scary. Now, now what? what? I love it. I think we have an episode title. 
So is that how we end it? <laughs> that's, I think we have, that's a mic drop right there. That's a mic drop moment. You gotta it's, really put something out here that this is very much, it's went way philosophical, not funny at all. And, uh, and. I love that shit though. I don't, I love I don't this like, conversation. All the I time. don't like, I mean, I like joking around and shit, but I, I, especially lately have been really liking just like getting really, really deep with conversation and, I always do. It's a problem. I always it's have, weird yeah. for me. It weirds people out because I'm super open and I'll share anything pretty much about anything. And so, and I have a, I don't know. I, I, Doug Stanhope called it the carnival. It, it's, it's when you try to go to sleep and that's when the carnival kicks in. That, that's that, why. That, I, that, 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 well, that. I, I just haven't, I haven't um, felt safe falling asleep before the sun comes up lately. It's this really, I've, I've turned into a child that's scared of the dark. But you're holding on to all these, again, the million potentials of fears. Lock your front door, lock your back door, you'll probably be okay. Probably. Go to sleep and, and fuck it all. Because Should we do a little, um, well, let's close out this episode. Where can the listeners find you? Listeners can find me on, on, uh, so I just need to read. I need to read this comment. Yeah. Carol's Quest said, "This is some Shia LaBeouf type of shit." No, and you know what? And 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 on Shia LaBeouf's point, Shia LaBeouf, everyone just laughed at him. He was right. <laughs> Do it. Do the fucking thing. We talked about this. You talked about this in so many words earlier in the night. You said. You don't like people who talk about, I wish I do this, I wish I do this, I wish I do this, and they don't actually do it. That's what Shia well, not, was saying. He was saying, do it. Well, action. I, I think, do I think, it. I think you can manifest, but you need to have action with it. Do it. Do it. That's what okay. he was saying. He was saying, go after the fucking thing. And he's not wrong, but he did it in a weird artistic way. Okay, so people can find you on Twitch. If you can find me on Twitch, you can read my name here. It is... Scooter McBean. Thanks for giving me things to edit in. And uh, and then Fairy Dust here. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Scott CC McLean, and hmm. you can find me on Facebook at Scott McLean. Do you encourage people to just add you? I don't really give a shit. Uh, I haven't. I, have, I don't have a fan page yet. Um, don't do that. Vaughn would hate it. Well, I will do it. Vaughn, 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 Vaughn was not a perfect specimen, okay? <laughs> Most certainly not. Um, uh, where is it? What's it called? Uh, Instagram? No. You can, oh, you can find me on Instagram as... <laughs> oh my God, do you not, you're Scotty Mac something something. Scotty Mac 2332, I think. One second. Yeah, yeah, 22332. Yeah, Scotty, Scotty Mac... Two three three two, and uh, you can find me on this Saturday. I don't know when this will come out, but most Saturdays. This will come out on. This is perfect. It comes out on Friday, so tomorrow. Okay. You can find tomorrow. me out tomorrow on the Ultimate Online Nova Scotia Kitchen Party brackets. I think it's COVID nineteen edition. Mm. Hold yes. On. COVID-19 edition, no hyphen between the COVID-19. Facebook group, right? Facebook Facebook group. group. I will be performing a minimum of 50 songs uh, live. I will maybe take requests if I feel like I know the song enough that I can sing it. 
And uh, you can find me, well, I mean, you can find me at Yuck Yucks and shit like that once I get all that stuff done. But first, Scooter McBean. We don't know when that will be. Scott C.C. McLean, Scotty Mac, 2332 on Instagram, and the Nova Ultimate Online Nova Scotia Kitchen Party COVID-19 Edition this Saturday. Come out, hang out. You got lots to edit now <laughs> with that last I think one. that we went double the time. I think this was like a three-hour episode. When did we start? Nine o'clock? 8.30. Fuck. No, we started at nine. Oh, okay. We were supposed 10, to start 10, 11, 8:30. 12. And we yeah, started shortly after nine. So nine, so nine I could 10, edit. 11, 12. That's three hours. People will have to deal with it. Yeah, you know? let them watch it. Just put it out. I don't, I, I've I'm not ashamed about of nothing length. that I said so far. If you're going to listen for two hours, you're going to listen for those two hours, turn it off. That's cool. Yeah, just do it. Um, thanks so much, buddy, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Actually, honestly, it was great. It was a lot of fun. It flew by. I mean, it's fucking it really did. now. It did fly um, by. I have no way for you to ring this, but you can pretend to ring a bell. Three, two, two one. One. Ding, ding. Whatever. Ding, ding.